0: You made me cry When you said goodbye Is that a shame My tears felt like rain Is that a shame You're the one to blame You broke my heart When you said Ain't that a shame? You made me cry when you say goodbye. Ain't that a shame? I almost just went into, uh, from Fats Domino, I almost just morphed into Cheap Trick for some reason. Well, I mean, they did that song too, and it was like, uh, Ain't that a shame? You're the one to blame. Oh, yes, you are to blame. Boing, 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 boing. Um, Sylvan Gold. <laughs> we start out on the flea. On the fly. Um, I don't know why. I uh, The other day I posted that I was going to record and I asked for some questions, which we'll be covering uh, later in the show. Um, but then I did not record. I tricked everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um. Didn't mean to trick you all. Didn't mean to to uh, to be a liar. To be uh, uh, someone uh, uh, above or uh, 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 not above suspicion. Suspicion. Suspicious. Whatever. Anyway, um, it's a day off. It's early in the morning. Got to go do some things in just a little bit. Uh, go to the post office, pick up some new tennis shoes that I bought, and they're Nike. I didn't, I didn't realize that um, before I bought them that there was going to be such scandal coming out about Nike, and that um, that Colin Kaepernick was going to do a Just Do It commercial, and that people were going to be burning,
1: burning their
0: Nikes. You know. Uh, When El Douchebag, um, when he said, like, you know, about uh, Harley Davidson leaving the country uh, because of the trade embargoes and tariffs and things like that, I don't remember seeing one fucking post, not one, uh, with a biker lighting his $30,000 harley davidson on fire cutting the tires off uh crashing it on purpose uh smashing it with a sledgehammer or anything like that i guess i guess the outrage only goes as far as things that don't cost that much but uh you know what you gonna do uh when you are a fanatic set of righteous fanatic which we'll be talking about that here in just a little bit too fanaticism in cinema i don't i didn't plan anything so don't think that i've got like anything planned I've got some uh, tea here. It's a little bit minty. It's it's a mixture of mint. This is a different kind. Uh, I don't know why. I think they were out of the stuff that I like, as usual. But then I rectified the situation in between last recording and this recording. Got back on the horse. Got back to the store. Got the correct tea. But I am the kind of person, like if I buy something and it sucks, like I bought this sushi the other day uh a co-worker told me about this sushi that they have at at the Walfart. And um the one that I got, oh my god, it was really good. It I was like, oh, you know, I may have talked about this before because I was saying something about like how do you know you're not gonna get worms or something and then I read all about how they flash freeze the uh sushi uh, uh the fish Uh, in the restaurant uh, that they're using. So that's probably why you're not going to get a fucking parasite or get worms. And then, of course, this stuff is actually frozen anyway. Um, But the one that I got, and I can't remember what it was. It was actually really tasty. And so the next time I went back, they had three different kinds. And I got this one that was like salmon uh, in the middle. And I didn't like it. So the dogs have been eating sushi uh, that's a treat for them every every once in a while. I'll get like a couple out and give it to the moots. Now, um, I took the mutts to the vet because I'm going to be going on vacation. And the place that I'm going to be boarding them, uh, I usually board them at the vet. But um, I found a place that's pretty close. And it's actually this woman you know, at her house and she boards animal or boards animals, I guess. And she has a fenced in yard and up and a, and like a playroom for them. And she'll videotape them. While, and you can, you know, she'll send you emails and things like that when you're on your trip. And, and they get to get outside and get some sunshine and exercise. Whereas if you take them to the vet, they pretty much, I think they take them out and walk them here and there, but who knows? And they're just kind of like in a, in a run inside. And I, and, and I just I always felt guilty about that. So at least they'll be making some new friends, and human and animal friends, and uh, and have somebody paying attention to them. I hope. Uh, but then the 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 lady that's doing the uh, that's going to be boarding them said, okay, they have to have the rabies shot. Bordetella and, I think, uh, like, Parvo or something like that. So they were all, they both were due for, like, one shot, and I think it might have been the Bordetella or something. So I took him in there. Well, then, what I have been finding is, like, when you go to the dentist now or you go to, like, this, you know, the the, the, um, the vet, it's like going to an insurance sales salesman or going to a fucking used car salesman and they're like well we got we have this new thing and i know the doctor's going to ask you about it so i'm just going to go ahead and ask you about it and um it's regularly like four hundred dollars per dog but um you can get it there's a special you know going on where for 127 dollars per dog they'll check for heartworm they check their fecal matter for parasites they check their urine and i can't remember what else and then um you know, they'll, they'll check them all out and everything. And, and so I was like, well, okay, you know, but okay. I just came in to get this one shot and, you know, and, and uh, she goes, well, okay. She goes, I just knew she was going to ask you about it. And then she stands there. She goes, so how's everything been going? And I was like, Oh, everything's good. They're, they're really good. You know, they, they're eating, and, you know, I've got a lot of energy, even though Chief's really old, you know, just a lot of energy, we'll go for walks and everything. And she just standing there, and there's just like this big pause, she goes, well, what do you think about, you know, what do you think about this? And I was like, well, I said, I don't know. I said, now, how much is it? I said, now, is that 127? Is that per dog, or is that for both of them? And she goes, well, it's per dog, but it's really good, because then we can check them out for anything down the road, you know, maybe problems that, that you don't even know that they have. And like, oh, okay, well, you know let me think about it and then she just stands there and she's like so they're doing pretty good and i'm like oh my god so finally i agreed to do it so then i go ahead and have them do it and they take them in the back and i'm hearing like they're back there yelping and shit (laughs) they took them one at a time and i'm like what the fuck and uh, are they back there torturing them or what or is this like the Isle of dogs and um so anyway um then they said, well, it'd be like a couple days. We'll give you a call and everything. Well, then this fucking vet has been calling me. But I, you know, with my hours, um, I just get the message on the answer machine. She, she says, well, you know, just call call me back and everything. And then every time I call, she's in surgery. And so I told him, I said, well, she can go ahead and leave a message. And just tell me on the message, you know, I I uh, uh, agree that she can call and just leave whatever she has to say on the, ma- on the answer machine. Well, she called back and instead of doing that, she goes, well, I just really need to talk to you or whatever. And then I'm thinking, okay, what the fuck's going on? Is there something going on? You know, is uh, and now I'm dreading it because I'm like, okay, I guarantee you, one or both of them probably have heartworm and uh, they're dying. One of them's got cancer, or they have fucking this or that, you know. And I can't get a hold of it every time I call. She's in surgery, and I said, well, listen, I I fucking work midnight shift so, um, you know. I go to sleep at a certain time, and then by the time I get up, you guys are closed. So I said, call me at, you know, between these hours. So I still, I called like two times yesterday, and both to all, she's in surgery. And I'm like, well, Jesus Christ, I don't give a fuck who is the person that's telling me the results if it's a nurse or if it's the vet, but just fucking tell me what's going on and then we could, you know. And I even expressed that to him. I said, now I'm worried to death. And she goes, well, we'll have her give you a call. And I'm like, well, goddamn, it's been going on like four days now. And now I'm fucking, you've got me worried. So I would really like to talk to somebody. So they may call to, and then of course yesterday I laid down to go to sleep. It's my day off. And I wanted to get a couple hours of sleep so I could get up and maybe go see. Black Klansman, or uh, that fucking Mark Wahlberg movie, or The Meg. They both, all three were playing at like 11 or noon, and I thought, well, I'll I'll go to sleep for a couple hours, but I left the phone on, which I usually uh, take it off, or I I just um, unplug the answering machine. And the phone, so it doesn't ring and I don't hear anything. So I leave it on, and as soon as I lay down, I doze off, the fucking phone rings. I thought, okay, it's the vet. i got to get up and get that. So I jump up and get it. It's telemarketer. I fucking hang up on them, put the phone back, and I go back to sleep. fall asleep for probably maybe 20 minutes or something like that. The Oh, at exactly 10 o'clock, the fucking phone rings. And I'm like, that's them. I jump up out of bed, I'm groggy as shit, I go over pick up the phone, do you know, and it's some political thing, and I hang up on them and then I'm pissed and I'm like, "Well, fuck it. I told him to call me between seven and ten, and so I just unhooked the phone and went back to sleep and then I'm grouchy as shit because I, I can't go back to sleep and I feel like shit, so go out and I thought, well, I'm going to do some yard work and I go out to cut the fucking grass, and it was uh, it was hot as fuck. So I did as much as I could and I was like, I'm going inside, you know, I got, I did, I'll do the rest of it tomorrow because I'm just sweating like a fucking pig and I'm, you know, the old gray mare ain't what it used to be. And I thought, well, maybe I'll go still go do something. So I come in, make myself something to eat and I'm sitting there and I feel like total shit because I, you know, when you only, I only got like a, maybe a total of an hour And I just feel like crap and I'm grouchy as hell. So I decided to, I think I, what the hell did I do? Oh, I stayed in. Okay. (laughs) I'm trying to remember what the fuck happened. What the hell did I do yesterday? Anyway, um, so I just kind of, you know, stayed in and everything. And then I had this goddamn nightmare that I was, I was in the living room laying down, but I had a nightmare that I was sitting in the chair watching TV. And one of my friends gets up to go in the kitchen and just roundhouse kicks me. And I in the dream I could like feel my nose just getting like fucking and my and the side of my cheek getting fucking just smashed and so then I'm covering up and 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 uh, he's trying to um, whoever it was and then it ended up it wasn't even my friend it, I don't know who the fuck it was it was like a fucking uh, uh, in that Lobo paramilitary Christmas when the when the uh, Crusher Kringle... <laughs> It was the evil Santa Claus with the big fucking like a uh, Rambo knife. Uh, it's like he's trying to fucking punch through me with these big old man fists through my arms that I've got covered up in my head, and then I I didn't want to look. I pretended like I was knocked out, but I didn't want to look and you know it's stupid it's a dream but it was fucking stupid and then i was almost like paralyzed i was like okay if i look what if he's just still just standing there maybe he's gone and everything but then i finally i hulked up and i was like this is fucking stupid so i got my ass kicked well it was a sucker punch it was a sucker kick it was a roundhouse kick (laughs) so then i definitely couldn't go back to sleep so then i'm fucking miserable pretty much uh it was just a bad day all around and it shouldn't have been uh the vet has got me pissed off and upset and then i'm having all kinds of fucking issues with my stomach i don't know what the fuck's going on so and i ate something i think what it was i forgot i, I cut up some onion and put it in with this uh rice and i'm trying to think what else was in there i got this big fucking microwavable bowl and it had like some red cabbage cut up some onion um i got some uh, uh like meatless pork thingies little chunks i don't know what the fuck's in them but they're gluten-free and everything but uh there's there's no real pork and it was supposed to be sweet and sour pork but i just put the pork in there and put some stuff, in. but I think what it was is those onions were in there and it was just sitting like that, ra- the, the raw onions were just like coming up in the back of my eyes. Like, uh, I just feel like I'm just like want to vomit. So got that all straightened out. I don't know if I did or not, but I'm just saying <laughs> I'm rambling. Uh, and, um, so, I did watch some stuff and uh, got some stuff to talk about from the group and the questions and complaints and things like that. And um, So, let's just get down to some business. Some of the stuff you guys, Yin's guys, were talking about that I actually might have a comment about. Um, the movie Wild Things from 1998. Uh, this stars Kevin Bicon, uh, Matt Dillon, Nev campbell and um denise richards when she had big boobs now she must have got implants because i think she was in playboy or something and she had the big playmate tits or whatever and in this movie she has the big boobs but then when she was like married to charlie sheen and um after they got split up and everything i mean you see pictures of her now and she's almost like completely flat-chested so something was amiss there like she that's like this uh news wo- uh woman on cnn in the morning robin Mead. i think she was like a miss georgia or something at one time or something like that but she had the she's like a kind of a little short firecracker of a of a woman but she had these big round boobs and then she went off We watched her every morning because we thought she was kind of (laughs) hot. And then for like a week or two, she wasn't on. They had somebody else take her place. When she came back, she didn't have any boobs. And it was like, okay, well, she must have either got breast reduction because they were real, or she had implants and she got tired of carrying around a bag full of silicone or saline in her body and got them removed which is just you know that's, that's great I mean that's somebody's prerogative and everything and if it's healthier for her you know that's, that's their own decision but it's weird when you have somebody and they have like these big perfectly round boobs and then the next thing you know they don't have any and one of my friends I showed him a picture of I'm trying to think who it was it was some actress I think it was Adrian Barbeau and she was on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and she came out, and she didn't have a bra on. This is like in the '70s when she was on Mod. This was before she was ever with John Carpenter or anything. And she came out, and it was like, holy shit! Well, I showed it to him, and he was like, he's like dating this woman, and she's like a fitness instructor and shit, and she's got fake boobs. And he goes, well, they don't even really look that that big. They look kind of flat or whatever. And I'm like, that's because, and it's it's weird because. You get so used to seeing these big, round boobs. Even if they're not big, the, the fake boobs, that when they, a woman lays on their back and they have like fake boobs and stuff, the boobs stay the exact same way. They don't flatten out or anything. But if a woman has like natural breasts and they lay down, you watch a lot of the, like, the old porn uh, and uh, old movies and things like that. Even um, like, uh, I'm trying to think, like Gina Lola Brigida or... Um, uh, Claudia Cardinale, um, uh, like I said, Adrian Barbeau, anybody like that. And you look at the, even like the Russ Meyer uh, women, their boobs are, you can tell they're natural. But society now has gotten so used to plastic surgery, plus 99% of like the actresses that have big boobs or Playboy, uh, porn or uh, model swimsuit models or anything like that—they have those fake boobs. So you get so used to seeing them that when you see somebody with natural breasts, if they're not wearing like a one a bra or a Wonder bra or something like that, then people are like, "Well, you know, her boobs don't even look that good." It's like, yeah, because they're fucking actual human uh, mammary glands and and actually and not like a. A sack under that's what um i'm trying to think if it was it was a comic book uh cartoon that somebody drew of um like super girl the first time she meets uh somebody a woman because she's an alien she meets a woman that has uh, breast implants and she's looking with her x-ray vision and she says something about "Oh, why does she have these plastic bags under her skin and the the person's like uh hurrying her off like you know shut up that's rude you know you shouldn't do that uh so that's kind of like that but anyway back to wild things this movie i put it in the same genre of uh like the paper boy with matthew mcconaughey and nicole kidman and john cusack um and who's that guy that's got the fucking washboard abs? He's usually not very... I mean, it's not that he's not good. I can't remember what his name is. Zach Efron. He was good in that because it was a good movie. But it, like a like a, that movie and the hot spot that Dennis Hopper directed with Don Johnson and um, uh, Virginia Madsen um, J- and Jennifer Conley. Um, really sleazy movies. Kind of body heat's kind of in there, too. Um but uh, Body Heat was more steamy. It wasn't as sleazy as like uh, Wild Things and Paperboy. Uh, Paperboy and Wild Things, that's a companion piece and a half right there. And I remember back in the day when that came out, you know, everybody was like all freaking out because Denise Richards and Nev Campbell have like some lesbian uh, kissing scene, and then they and then the next thing you know, they're having a threesome with Matt Dillon, and Matt Dillon has these fucking ugly fuck faces. Like when they're having the threesome and they're pouring like champagne over him, he makes these ugly like uh, these ugly like um, I'm trying to think uh, uh, how to describe. Matt Dillon's fuck face. That would be another good one for for uh, the group, which only one person participated in the Bruce Willis. Well, no, two people participated in the Bruce Willis uh, uh, squinty, weird Derek Zoolander faces that he makes when he's jumping, leaping, or shooting. Um, so I do appreciate the effort. Somebody, somebody posted uh, actual pictures of him doing it, and then somebody actually... Uh, t- took a picture of themselves doing the Bruce Willis uh, fucking shooting face. But so anyway, the the um, if you have seen Wild Things and you know what I'm talking about, uh, if you could take a picture of yourself doing the Matt Dillon fuck face, like, it's funny. Um, I'm trying to think who it was. If it was, I think it was Richard Pryor or something like that, talked about like the, 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 uh, the the faces that you make when you're fucking like if somebody took a picture of you you'd be like Jesus Christ <laughs> but anyway and you get to see Kevin Bacon's big long uh, fucking uh, wang which he he rivaled um, I think he I think Kevin Bacon kind of rivaled um, um, Michael Fassbender and also David Keith in Officer and a Gentleman. Now that's that's another thing when uh or and, and Robin Williams when he was sw- swimming in uh, was that the world's greatest dad or whatever he's swimming and he looks like he's got like a a fucking uh, a toy baby hanging under uh, between his legs and uh, and David Keith when he hung himself in Officer and a Gentleman and they go in and find him. Now I don't understand you know what people I I, I, I maybe it's not. I think it's in, I've seen it in other movies, why when people kill themselves, they do it, um, they take off all their clothes, like Bruce Dern in, uh, in um, Coming Home, he's, you know, they're playing, Once I was a soldier who fought on foreign land, or whatever, and he takes off his, his uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know if it was West Point, no, West Point's army, so but he was, I think he was a marine, maybe. No, I think he was army. Because he, for some reason, I was having a flash that when he was on the beach, he had on the white hat. But he actually had on a green hat and a green uniform. So I think he was Army. I don't know if he was West Point. But it was something. some kind of class ring. So maybe it was. He takes that off. He takes off his entire uniform, puts it on the lifeguard stand, and then runs out in the ocean to kill himself. Naked! So And then David Keith, because... Um, um, what's her name uh, doesn't want to have kids with him um, and he asks her to fucking marry him an, an officer and a gentleman he goes gets a bottle a, a fucking bottle of some rock gut whiskey uh drinks and swallows the goddamn engagement ring he buys for the girl and goes and hangs himself. But before he hangs himself, he takes off all of his clothes so that when everybody finds him and his head is completely white, now, depending on when they find him, his head might have been fucking black and his tongue tongue might be black, sticking out, bulging out, his eyeballs bulging out, and his head might be almost more like black, um, depending on when they find him. But he did that, and then everybody that comes in Sees him with his big fucking bush of uh, fucking pubic hair and his big fucking f- uh, 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 flaccid cock, <laughs> and I, you know, maybe Richard Gere, you know, they were in the, they were getting in the Air Force or whatever together, so they probably like took showers together and everything. But just say, for example, you know, you, uh you decide you're going to kill yourself, and you're sitting there and you think, okay, I'm going to get completely naked because I want to go out of this world the way I came in, just. Uh, with nothing but what I came into this world with, I don't know how people think. But then you blow your brains out, you take a bunch of pills or something like that. So then you're laying there in your own piss and shit. Uh, by the time they find you, you're all bloated up and everything. And and say your mom or your your uh, your family or somebody finds you and you're laying there with your big old fucking wang hanging out in your butthole and all this stuff. So you know, hell, I'd put on some some fucking goofy outfit. I'd dress up like Darth Vader or fucking a clown's costume or or a um, I don't know what, maybe a cowboy or something. <laughs> Rooster Cogbird. I don't know, but I mean, you know, come on. If you're going to go, I wouldn't want to go out the way I came in, you know, with only what God gave me or whatever like that. I'd want to go out looking cool. I'd dress up like a fucking pirate or something, you know. And um, I don't know. I, I hope that when I have a, a, a heart attack and I drop dead, that I'm wearing like a pirate a pirate uniform or an a Incredible Hulk or something like that. I mean, for God's sakes, have a little class. Nobody wants to see your big fucking dong. Anyway, but I mean, you know, if I was if I was like Kevin Bacon or Michael Michael Fassbender or or you know, like even Robin Williams, yeah, if I had a big old fucking uh, big old baby arm between my legs, yeah, fuck yeah, I'd get on I'd get on film. Like Harvey Keitel, he didn't give a shit. He gets on film. And in, uh, in Bad Lieutenant and things like that. And uh, I think in um, Bad Lieutenant and then I didn't see the piano. But I remember my mom saying something about, you know, in the piano that Harvey Keitel was like naked. And they showed like full frontal. Or Jane and Michael Vincent and Buster and Billy. I mean, they, they just, they didn't. They must have been gr- uh, growers and not showers or whatever. Because they just had a normal, like, you know, little... PP or whatever, you know, flaccid. That's, it's cold on the set or whatever, and everything. Harvey Keitel didn't have any. I mean, he wasn't like Fassbender takes a piss and from behind. We've talked about this on the show. You can see his goddamn dick hanging between his legs. So, and you know, even if I didn't, I'd be like, I'd be like Mark Wahlberg in Boogie Nights. I'd say, okay, if I'm gonna go in here and piss in the toilet in shame, I want you to fix up something to where I'm like holding a fucking big dildo so that it looks and then everybody will be like oh my god (laughs) look at him and then they're all talking about fastball and they may have even did that i don't know i don't know did we see his big junk uh anyway but you know yeah why not but then it'd be like false advertising because denise richards would show up and you'd go on a date like when you become famous and um uh, you get hooked up with people that you don't even really know, but they're like a gold digger or whatever, or even if like Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt or whatever, and, and, and uh, they're famous, and you don't even really know each other, but you're hot, and they're hot, and you're rich, and they're rich and everything, so you decide, hey, I'm going to go to the Oscars. You can go – you know, maybe you can go with her or whatever, and you know you're going to hook up because she's a co whore, and you're a fucking – a dude and um so anyway and then you show up and she's thinking oh my god i saw that movie he was in and he has this great big dick and you're thinking i saw wild things and she's got these great big tits and then you go and get together with each other and 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 as soon as you get naked you she finds out that you have a harvey keitel dick and you find out that she doesn't even have any boobs anymore because she got them you know whatever so that's wild things (laughs) I was just sitting there thinking that I wouldn't have anything to talk about. Uh, Because I didn't watch a ton of stuff. uh, I've still been watching that that Ken Burns Vietnam uh, documentary. I mean, each one of those is two hours long. So you're watching a full-length movie uh, with each episode. And I think there might be like eight or ten of them. And they're really good, and I'll talk about that here in a little bit. But the uh, next thing I was thinking about was a movie that I forgot about a long time ago, and everybody knows on, that listens to the show. Why am I talking so fast? <laughs> I'm fucking wound up, Daddy. Woo! I no sleep. <laughs> okay, calm down. I, I just noticed I was really talking really fast. Maybe it's like a, I'm in a manic mode right now or something, which is good for the show. Uh, not so good for, like, being a human being on the planet Earth. Um I was thinking, everybody knows, take a breath, calm down, stop rambling, uh, that I'm a Dennis Hopper fan and that I was, you know, uh, you've heard the story before about how I, you know, first, I mean, I saw Dennis Hopper before I knew who Dennis Hopper was. Um, because I know I saw True Grit when I was a little kid, and I saw Sons of Katie Elder and some of these old westerns, and he would be the weakling son of the bad man or whatever. He always said, you know, that's all they that cast him. And um, But then, you know, like I said, I got the Vanity Fair magazine with Dennis Hopper on the front of it, and I got really interested in him, watched Easy Rider, watched, um, you know, like Apocalypse Now, and, you know, I was just obsessed with finding out about him, Watching, uh, giant watching rebel without a cause. I'm trying to think of health for Texas. Maybe, um, I thought that was a Henry Hathaway and the biker movies. And then when he went through all his shit, uh, the American friend with Vim vendors, uh, directing. And then when he came out of his, well, mad dog, Morgan and everything. Like I said, I've said this before a million times. And, um, then he got clean and sober and started doing some really good work that was being recognized by, he was known as like a, a trouble, troubled guy. Uh, you didn't want to work with him cause he was high all the time and fucked up and just so out of control on drugs. And, um, uh, the documentary, what's the documentary called? American dreamer. Um, uh, and he, uh, but anyway, then he, he made Callers. He directed Callers and uh, Hoosiers. He was in that and everything. That was when he was making his big comeback. Well, I also talked about the Tom Beringer movie and how... Uh, and Hotspot, the one I was just speaking about with uh, Don Johnson, um, directing, and that comedy kind of road picture with Tom Berenger and Erica Laniac. But one of the ones that came out that I forgot about... Um, until just this week and I was I uh, I think this was actually an H made for HBO movie. So I don't think that it got any kind of recognition as far as um the Oscars or anything like that because back then, you know, like I don't I think even now um and it's it's kind of a kind of becoming a blurred thing because you're getting so many movies now that will go straight to DVD or digital download or are made by uh, HBO, Hulu, Netflix, and all this stuff. Well, HBO is one of the only ones that, that only, you know, services at the time, like cable services, pay for, you know, for movies. And um, if you see certain movies these days... Uh, if you lived back during that time, you will recognize like some of them as, oh okay, this is uh, eight million ways to die." I saw it a million times on HBO because when I come home from class in college or whatever you know it would be on or and I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, but there were they were they were the original or the first ones uh, feature films made for HBO or whatever home box office. And, um, do they even have HBO anymore? I don't even know. Um, but the movie I'm talking about is 1991's Paris Trout. And this was directed by Stephen, uh, Gyllenhaal. And I have a feeling with a lot with a handle like that, the last name Gyllenhaal, that he has to be, uh, Jake and Maggie's dad, or something like that. I didn't even look it up, but I, I hate to even click on this thing, because I know I'll fuck up my goddamn uh, IMDb that I have up here, but I'm going to click on it anyway. Let's see. Is this motherfucker? Uh, I'm sure it is, because I, number one, every time, if I want to to um, um, write something online about uh, Jake or Maggie Gyllenhaal, I never know how to spell it, and I have to go look it up. And is it who is this bastard? <laughs> Okay, uh, trivia. I attended Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut. Woo! Father of Maggie and Jake Gyllenhaal. Well, and you know that's the thing. You see these people, and they, of course, they're both of them are very talented, and you hate to say it, but like Sean Penn or some of these ones like this, and and, and you're like, oh man, you know this guy's got a made. He's a young guy, and he he got on like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and then you realize that the guy's fucking parents. They they it's it's they are talented. I'm sure there are people that aren't, but I mean these are talented. Uh, uh, um, kids of... But their parents are famous. Their parents were in film or something like that. So they had to step up from the word go. And I know if I would have... If my dad wouldn't have been an asshole, but would have been in movies, I'd have been famous too. Because, I mean, look at this. Look at... I'm doing all this by myself. Uh, dig it. Okay, so anyway, this Gyllenhaal... Erp. He directed Paris Trout. Now, what's this say here? He is a director and writer known for CBS Afternoon Playhouse in 1978, Paris Trout in 1991, and A Dangerous Woman in 1993. What else did this cocksucker do? I mean, is he fucking famous? (laughs) So, anyway, let's see. He's working now, and he's directing a TV series called Shut Eye. Uh, He directed, uh, I guess, an episode of Bosch. Uh, Does he have anything else at Ironside? He did a lot. Tons of TV. TV, TV, TV. Uh, TV, Lucky, The Shield, uh, Felicity, what else we got here? Come on, dude, you worked with Dennis Hopper and Ed Harris, uh, Twin Peaks, he did an episode of that, Waterland, what was Waterland? dangerous woman it seems like he did a shitload of tv and i guess you could consider even though hbo was a paid tv service it was probably still considered tv but it was more of a a uh, mainstream like film because hbo did not have censorship they could show titties the first first uh on-screen titties i ever saw were bo derrick and 10 on hbo um and I was amazed at how boobies move. You know, when you're used to seeing boobies in uh, in uh, Playboy magazine, well, Playboy magazine doesn't move, you know. And neither do modern-day uh, fake tits. But anyway, I guess some of the new ones maybe do, because if they get somebody who's good. But Paris Trout was a um, movie based on a novel by Peter Dexter. And it stars Dennis Hopper, Barbara Hershey, Hershey Highway, uh... You were good in Paris, Trout, Hershey Highway. That was uh, Barbara Seagull, uh, the comp- longtime companion of David Carradine, and Ed Harris, who at the time was... Why am I talking so fast again? This fucking cocaine. Anyway. Let's see. No, that's not the right one. Uh, uh, Serenity Now, maybe? Mm, whatever. Calm down, douche. Um... But Ed Harris was really flying high at this time. And again, Hopper had just came out of his drug-crazed stupor. And I'm sure that he was talking even faster than I'm talking now when he was you know, uh, doing buku amounts of cocaine. Um, but Barbara Hershey is Barbara Seagull we covered her in and David Carradine and Boxcar Bertha for the show when she was really super young, this was a pretty good movie. And what it was about was this guy, Paris trout, uh, the titular Paris trout is this, uh, asshole, this redneck country asshole. I think it was maybe in Georgia and he was, uh, owned us, I think a store and Barbara Hershey was his wife who was a younger lady. And, uh, he was a fucking piece of shit. He's like a nut. Um, but everybody in the town was kind of afraid of him because he was the kind of guy that if you crossed him, he would get revenge on you. It would kind of remind me of... Um, there was a movie one time with Brian Dennehy that was based on a true story. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was a made-for-TV movie. And he they did a segment on, on 60 Minutes, And then um, they made it into a made-for-TV movie. This guy that Brian Dennehy played was like the town bully. He was a country guy, redneck or whatever. And he uh, he was like 50-some years old, but his wife was like 17. And he was the kind of guy, he was the town bully. And if you did him wrong, say in any way, like he would steal cows and shit from people uh but if you cut him off in traffic or if you got in an argument with him or if you stood up to him he was almost like an old school like bushwhacker from back in the old west he would get revenge on you by like going out and uh, maybe light your house on fire when you were asleep or when you weren't home or uh or at the worst part like you're driving down the road in the middle of the night he'd pull up beside of you in his truck and fucking shoot a shotgun at you and Kill you or, or try to kill you, and, and then there would be no. It would be his word against yours, and he would have like his little uh, wife or one of his toadies say, "Oh no, he was with me, you know, that night watching TV or something." And that's kind of how Parish Trout is. He's a real piece of shit, and he's obviously got mental problems. And then, of course, Dennis Hopper can play that fucking perfectly. And he, I believe, something happens. I don't want to give it away too much um because some of you might not have seen it and i i recommend it it's it's a it's a nasty fucking movie i mean um it's one of those ones where you're like jesus christ you know what a fucking piece of shit and at the time there was a scene in it with uh and and like i said Dennis Hopper Paris Trout uh Barbara Hershey plays his wife and there's a scene in this where i think he is like jealous Or gets pissed off at her about something. And it was a notorious fucking scene at the time. uh, What he does uh, in a jealous fit of rage. So I don't want to say anything there. I wish I could because I'd like to talk about it. But anyway. So we won't uh, go too much further into that. That's a recommend I guess. Maybe a recommend. What else they got on here that looks good. Uh, White Sands with Mickey Rourke and Willem Dafoe. I like that movie. Although like Ed Ed Harris was not miscast in Harris Trout, but Ed Harris was a star on the rise at that time, and White Sands was, um, of course, Mickey Rourke was a, a star on the rise. This was Mickey Rourke before he got his face all fucked up, and he could, and he was still, he's still a a, a very good actor, great actor, but uh, at this time he was coming up really good looking, and he plays a heel in this, and but Willem Dafoe was coming off of um, Platoon. And at that time, him and Tom Berenger got uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actress for the same movie, uh, Platoon. And it was pretty much kind of a consensus, even before they said who won, that they canceled each other out. And they did. But both of them, off of Platoon, uh, got a lot of starring roles in movies. Some of them were good some of them were straight to i don't think i'm I not straight to vhs back then but uh they just didn't catch on at that time and i thought it was i like will i love willem defoe willem defoe and vigo are two of my favorites uh, at this time and at Fastbender probably um but um it was kind of weird because willem defoe this one and the one uh, the vietnam movie about where him and Gregory Hines are uh, military undercover, or uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, Plain clothes, military police in Saigon. That was a good movie with Scott Glenn. Uh, It was uh, Willem Dafoe, um, Gregory Hines, Scott Glenn played a heel in that one. Um, Can't remember what that one's called. But um, Willem Dafoe was cast in this as the babyface lead man the good guy the white hat and mickey rourke is kind of the the well sort of the gray hat black hat kind of guy and um although i thought the movie was good and i still enjoy watching it i thought uh, willem dafoe he did a good job but i always thought it was weird casting him as like a a a role that uh, a like a natural um naturally handsome a uh, Hollywood, uh, uh, good-looking Hollywood guy uh, would play this kind of part, like a Gary Cooper. Even Tom Beringer would probably have been more somebody that would be. Because this is, I don't know if I would say a modern sort of a modern Western, but the the like I said, the white hat, bat, black hat uh, guys in this kind of remind me of of like how a Western used to be. And Defoe just has this distinctive look. And uh, there's a lot of people, a lot of women, a lot of guys probably, you know, if if guys, you know, you like it, um, that think Willem Defoe is sexy. But he's not that classic Hollywood good looks. And I think they tried to wedge him into those kind of roles at one point. And um, even the the one at the same time period, um, the movie with him and Madonna. Uh, where he is a lawyer and Madonna is this is Madonna and she's accused of killing somebody or whatever. And he's representing her, I think, and he gets involved with her. And it was just weird because then later on in his career, I think Willem Dafoe, the roles that he was in, I think that he fit those roles a lot better than, like I said, kind of being wedged, into a role that say george clooney or um you know like th- uh, i'm trying to think who else would be um matt man maybe even like matt Dillon, or um dennis quaid maybe but william defoe has that kind of uh he has a distinctive fucking look uh that isn't the classic baby which i should you know I appreciate that. But, uh, so anyway, I was just looking at the, <laughs> I brought up the Paris Trout uh, IMD page, IMDB page, and then there were some other movies on here. I watched uh, China Moon with Ed Harris, and I talked about that not that long ago. I had never seen it. And that has Madeline Stowe, who I think is pretty hot. And uh, what's that? The, the uh, Wedlock. That's the one with uh, Riker Hauer, where he's in like a, a a prison, and they have those neck collars around the inmates necks and if you go outside a certain area your fucking head will (laughs) blow or no i think what it is is on that one you're you're um you're attached to another person and isn't that what it is if 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 you go outside the the uh perimeter their sensors and your head will blow off but their head will blow off too so even if you are thinking, hey, I'm just going to go kill myself, well, the other person to be like, well, don't do that. I'll blow my head off too. I think that's what it was. I haven't seen that one in forever. That was 1991. And I think for some reason, I was thinking that was maybe a made for HBO movie. I'm not sure. I don't even know what the fuck this is. When the bow Breaks with Martin Sheen and... Who? I don't know about this one. Well, what the hell is this motherfucker? Uh, Allie Walker, Martin Sheen, and Ron Perlman. What's this about? I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard of this. Maybe I have. I've probably seen it. <laughs> I just don't remember. Um, on July fourth in Houston, a teenager finds a human hand in a sewer. Well, that sounds like cruising. Um, Captain Swaggart, uh is investigating the s- discovery of seven hands found over several years each one precisely severed with a number tattooed on the palm. Hmm. Well, I don't want to read anymore. That's a pretty fucking long thing. Uh, A pretty police detective investigates apparent serial killing of several children, which is linked to an institutionalized autistic child. I have not seen that one, but I love her. I'm Perlman. Martin Sheen's good. Now, what's this Allie Walker? Who the fuck is this? Allie Walker. Is she hot? Hot or not? What was she in? Oh, I know who she is. Isn't she, uh... Wasn't she in the goddamn, uh... Yeah, she was the chick for, in the original Universal Soldier. And she was also... What else was she in? I kind of liked her at one time. When she was in Universal Soldier, she was cute. Of course, they didn't show her ass. They showed Jean-Claude's ass. Oh, she played Agent Stahl in Sons of Anarchy. So now I definitely remember her. She was a fucking bitch in that. Um, So that was probably when she was just breaking in she's not bad not not you know Eh, i'd fuck her (laughs) hershey highway oh let's see let's go back here i did not screw up my imdb that's good okay now this is a movie a a zom discovery and this is a blind recommend because i haven't seen it and uh, i never even heard of it so i want to check it out and maybe you guys can check it out, too. It's called The Silent Enemy from 1958. And this uh, one of the reasons I found it is I joined a Facebook group, and it was fans of Lawrence Harvey. And I know Lawrence Harvey from Venturing Candidate, The Alamo. Oh, that one movie where Jane Fonda is so fucking hot. And it's got Barbara Stanwyck. Something about the, was that the one about the black cat? the fuck's that movie called motherfucker now I sound like uh, Ron Perlman from um, what was the thing he said in Drive it's a fine ass motherfucker or something like that I need to watch that again there's so many movies this week that uh, we've been talking about online um, and I'm like oh shit I need to watch uh, the taking of uh, Pelham uh, one two three Um uh, long goodbye, uh, Paris Trout. Of course, and then you know, just uh, uh, the the uh, 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 unprofessional Lawrence Harvey, father of Domino Harvey. Uh, that was a sad thing. That she, that was a seemed like a very interesting lady, and um, after I after I read about her from, um, uh, looking up stuff about, um, Lawrence Harvey, because I was kind of sort of a fan some people, you know, asked me, I know somebody even asked me, they said, you know, uh, do you really like him? And I was like, I don't know why it's like one of those guys. I don't think he was like a great actor or anything. Uh, but I, for some reason just kind of, you know, I watched him in, uh, Alamo And like I said, Manchurian Candidate. And not Butterfield 8. What the hell was that movie called? Oh, Walk on the Wild Side. Now that's a good fucking movie. That's a recommend for me to Yuns. Uh, directed by Edward uh, Dimitrik, And it stars Lawrence Harvey, uh, Capuchin, Jane Fonda, and Barbara Stanwyck. And now this is one of those old movies. Like I said, 1962. But it's got some fucking nasty shit in it uh and jane fonda is so fucking hot in it that it and it, it just makes your goddamn uh you know your knees freeze and your liver quiver and uh this cappuccine uh that was uh uh william holden's woman at one point i don't think they ever got married um is so beautiful that it's like, Jesus Christ, she's she's stunning. Whereas Jane Fonda is really super young in this and just hot as hell. But uh, Capuchin, she is like a goddamn goddess. Uh, you know, fa- her, she's just so beautiful. Anyway, that's a recommend there. But the the movie I was talking about that I wanted to... <laughs> not recommend because i haven't seen it of course oh did i fuck this oh no i got on another tab <laughs> i thought i fucked everything up okay now this the silent enemy from 1958 now we have talked on the show about of course you know and on uh, gentleman's guide to midnight cinema on and gold group and everything um uh the topic has always come up about submarine movies and uh uh movies that you you know uh that that uh the best submarine movies or like even cliches from submarine movies, like uh, where you're going so deep and uh, uh, that the the hull starts crunching and everybody's like, Oh my God, the thing, if we go any further, it's going to crush us and everything. And, uh, uh, or um, the, they're dropping depth charges. So let's take all the clothes and everything that's not nailed down and shoot it out the fucking tubes. And then we got to be so quiet that, you know, that they can't hear us on their sonar. Okay in the mediterranean in 1941 the italians start using underwater chariots to mine the undersides of allied ships Uh, explosives expert lionel crab arrives in gibraltar to organize defenses but finds only two british divers available to help him even more worrying it seems likely that the italians are secretly using neutral spain across the bay as their key base okay so i'm pretty fucking sure that Lawrence Harvey is Lionel Crab. Let me go back and look. I don't want to mislead my pals. Uh, yes, yes. He is Lieutenant Lionel Crab, RNVR. What the hell does that mean? Something Navy something R. <laughs> I think I got that right. I bet you the N stands for Navy. Uh, RNVR. Hmm. Royal Navy V... Royal Navy Vigo Rortinson. Okay, I don't know what it is. Uh who else is in this? Um Lawrence Harvey, Dawn Adams. Dawn Adams? Oh, I was thinking about uh what's her name from uh, Gilligan's Island, but that was Dawn something else. <laughs> I'm full of information for you guys. Jesus Christ, you don't get this kind of shit from her. Oh, she's good looking. She's cute. She was also in, what, Plymouth Adventure, The Love Factor. Was Jane Fond in that? Love Factor. Oh, That looks like a Barbarella poster. That's probably why I'm thinking that. Ah, uh, no. This is uh, something Michael Court, James Robinson, Robertson Justice, Charles Hawtrey Robin Harden. Harden. What the fuck's this thing about? A race of topless, large-breasted women from the planet Angvia in another dimension come to earth to kidnap women to repopulate their planet Hmm. that sounds pretty fucking good to me what else does this son of a bitch do nana what's nana Um, hmm. the adaptation of emile zola's novel nana is about a sexual liaison of a woman who through her relationship with different men enjoy enjoys a life of pleasure and luxury however her lavish lifestyle does not always bring happiness well that's fucking sucks you would think it'd bring you happiness why not why do it myra breckenridge film debut this is road to saint tropez uh sans tropez um the debut film of pop singer turned film director mike sarn of uh, joanna or i what did i say joe as uh, joe Joanna, but I said, Yo, I said, Joanna, because I'm the give me hope, Johanna, give me hope, Johanna, give me hope, Johanna, till the morning come, give me hope, Johanna, give me hope, Johanna, hope until the morning come. I want to know if you're blind, Johanna, if you want to hear the sound of gun- drums, Maybe the pressure will make Johanna see. Uh, blah blah blah. <laughs> so anyway, let's get off here. That's got Udo Kier in it. We'll be talking about him in a little bit too. I'm off the beaten track. Get back on the beaten track. What's that girl's name? Don Adams. She's not too bad. The daughter of of an RAF officer. Wow. Well, that's Royal Air Force. I know what that means. I got the Royal. I got the Navy V. I don't know what that went. Let's look it up. Um, what was it? Uh, R. Let's see. Google. Bleh. Google is God. R. Come on, keyboard. I did. I just R V N R. Is that what it was? N R. Oops. N R. Okay. That means Royal Navy Reserve. Royal Navy what's the V stand for? Selected men of the R N V R. Ian Fleming The Royal Navy Reserve are a part of the Royal Navy of the United Kingdom. Well no shit. Okay. Okay, here it is. Royal Na- Royal Naval Volunteer Reserve. Okay. We got it down. Uh, apparently um ian fleming was in that maybe maybe james bond was james bond witty oh now i'm doing i went from uh goddamn. sean connery is james bond voice to somebody doing well no still sean connery but i was talking about the guy from the wild geese the gay um medic that they took with him witty except i said witty but it's, uh, um, oh, what, what was witty? He was the one that was like, no thanks dear, I'll take care of you when you come back. Because they went out on a night on the town before they went and got slaughtered in Africa. And uh, he was going to give them penicillin when they came back so they wouldn't have the drippy dick out in the bush. But anyway, so uh, The Silent Enemy, I just kind of thought, I'd never heard of it, maybe i check it out. It gets like a little bit above average, well, 66 on IMDb, so that might be one if we can find it somewhere. Now, somebody was speaking a boot watching 1983's *Star 80*, the Bob Fosse directed, Fosse 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 uh, directed movie um, about uh, Dorothy Stratton and that fucking asshole. Uh, uh, what the hell was his name? Paul Schneider, or I'm sorry, Paul Schneider, Paul Paul, Paul Schneider uh fucking eric roberts was fantastic in this and um but this this is a really good movie it was on hbo a lot and i've seen it a lot but it is a just it's a it's just a horrible thing that happened and now that i look back on eric roberts was so good in it and mariel hemingway she was not a Great actress or anything, but she did a she did an okay job because she was supposed to be playing such an innocent girl. She actually got breast implants to play this fucking part because she was pretty f- much flat chested, and uh, you could see that in Personal Best, which was uh, a <laughs> talker. The this the Personal Best shouldn't have been that sleazy of a fucking movie, a la uh, Wild Things and The Paperboy, but uh robert town the director uh man that movie the way he shot it was so fucking sleazy that it was like jesus christ dude but it's funny to fucking watch because he basically takes the camera and like if they're running the hurdles he shoots right on their crotch and they're wearing these little short shorts and everything he and i think even his wife at the time in um the, the the book uh, Easy Rider, Mad Bulls or whatever the fuck it was, Raging Bulls and Easy Riders and all that shit, uh, they were talking about that, how he, um, making Personal Best, Robert Towne, just had all these female athletes, and he was hanging out with them and all the time, and had him over at his Howell beach house, and they were doing drugs, and laying out naked all the time, and the girls were eating each other <laughs> and everything else. Scott Glenn has said that. That's a, fucking, that's a movie that's not supposed to be funny, but I swear to God I watched that, and it's pretty fucking funny. Um, let's see. But I was back. Star 80. Like I said, now that I think about it, I'm like... I haven't seen that in a long time, and I know that I watched it a bunch because we we would make fun of uh, uh, Eric Roberts, uh, not really a speech impediment, but like, you know, just he, I think it was his teeth, but like you say, Paul Shire, uh, uh, and um, when he was in Pope of Greenwich Village. But it's a really good movie. Cliff Robertson plays pretty much Hugh Hefner, and um, who plays Bogdanovich? because it was funny watching it you're you're trying to figure out who some of the people were because i know i think peter bogdanovich hated this movie um but like they had uh they would say like something about uh when she went to the playboy mansion dorothy stratton for the first time and they're like oh that's billy joe so-and-so you know the star quarterback and i think that was they wouldn't name names but i think it was supposed to be like uh uh Joe Namath and then uh say they they uh, like uh James Conn was was known for um hanging out at uh the the Playboy mansion all the time and hooking up with people and and Paul Snyder would get jealous cuz he thought they were all trying to fuck door. I which they probably were. Now here's Josh Mostel who is Zero Mostel's son and I heard him on I think the maybe the Gilbert Gottfried podcast. And he was an kind of an interesting dude because he had a lot of stories about Zero Mostel, who was an interesting cat. Anyway, let's get off. We're, we're, we're getting off the beaten path again. I mean, but so anyway, Star 80 is a good movie. I really like it. But um, man, it's just such a horrible thing. Who played Bogdanovich? Who is that? I'm looking at him right here. Who is that? Roger. Is that Roger Reese? Ar- Ar- Aram Nicholson. But it's pr- it's. Bogdanovich. I mean, that's who the character is. They just renamed it because Bogdanovich fucking didn't want anything to do with it, I think. Um, I guess Hefner must not have cared because he called Cliff Robertson Hugh Hefner. Uh, somebody was brought up the uh, 1972 movie. Mm, Got to get the mic away from my mouth. Um, is this thing even recording? I'm going to be pissed. Okay, yeah, it is. Um, I just had a paranoid thing. Uh, The New Centurions from 1972. And this is a Joseph Wamba novel um, based on it, um, uh, directed by Richard Fleischer, starring uh, George C. Scott, Stacey Keach, Jane Alexander, and Punch Puncharello, Eric Estrada. Probably one of the first things he was in. Clifton James is in it. He's really good. James B.C. King, who you would see him in Hill Street Blues as one of the main people in that he was really good and he was also the sh- the uh, shooter in uh, not prime cut Lee Marvin movie with John Vernon Lee Marvin not prime cut that's all the only thing that keeps flashing in my head that is Point Break Point Blank Point Blank Point Break is uh, the surfer movie with Keanu Ooh. anyway I love this movie and uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, I think Rolf said we didn't cover it on the show, but um, I know that I have probably talked about it, watched it, and talked about it in my What Have I Been Watching uh, segment that Loaf and I would do before You know, each one of us would say What Have You Been Watching? So anyway, uh, it's a great movie. Um, uh, I think from what I have heard and what I could see, it seems very realistic. Um, Wamba was a cop uh wrote uh onion field this one choir boys which i heard that I, I would i need to read the book choir boys because the movie sucked ass and we did cover that one and it sucked i i'm uh, i was very disappointed in that and i remember either seeing or hearing about choir boys i think we actually watched it it was probably on hbo a bunch of times and uh watching it and thinking even back then when I was like in college or high school that it wasn't very good. Now this is really good and you have different segments, uh you have different cops that they're following around, George C. Scott and um he's an old vet and he's you know, kinda getting close to retirement. He I think wamba also did the Blue Knight, which was William Holden, it was a made for TV movie. Um with William Holden, and William Holden got really great reviews for that, and I think he may have gotten an Emmy or Golden Globe or something for that, even though it was made for TV, and then later on they made a series out of it where George Kennedy played the part that William Holden played, uh, Bumper, or whatever the hell his name was. Anyway, but that's another Wamba one that's good and George C. Scott's kind of like that character he's the the knowledgeable old vet and then you have uh Scott Wilson Stacey Keach, Eric Estrada and um who was the other guy I thought there was wasn't there an African-American uh, I'm thinking there was but I can't who it was uh, but they're the young guys coming out of the police academy and new on the street and everything. And then you go through the segments where like George C. Scott um, and um, I think C. King and Clifton James, they're like the the knowledgeable uh, old veterans. And these young guys are coming up. And you see them coming up and uh, learning from the old guys. Um, some of them... Uh, of course, they're all making mistakes and everything, and the old guys are like, "Dude, listen, you need to chill out. This is your first day. It's not like we have to stop. Uh, we have to try and uh, uh, destroy all crime in the city our first day by ourselves and things like that. And then you see some of the things that they go through um, with um, as they they start becoming more knowledgeable and get more experience. Good and bad things. And things that are just kind of uh, maybe some tragic things, uh, uh, but it's really good. And 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 you could tell, you know, of course, Wamball was a cop, and there was a lot of shit there that uh, is um, that he probably took from his own experiences. I, mean, I love this movie. I thought it was really fucking excellent. Another one that I would I have watched several times. I had this, and I want to watch it again now. Just talking about it. Stacey Keach was excellent in it. Of course, George C. Scott's always good, even though he was a fucking prick in real life. A drunk asshole woman beater, from what I understand, which we've talked about before. Um, Hamburger Hill from 1987. The reason that I brought this up, and and I'm going to bring up uh, uh, Once Were Soldiers um, with Mel Gibson, Um, I have been watching that Ken Burns uh, Vietnam War documentary, and um the, those were two big battles the one with Mel Gibson at the beginning of the war before we ever really got started and the guys were still using like the i think the uh, the uh the before the M16s and before it was like the first time they ever used helicopters now if you've seen the movie you know all this um it also that also has Barry Pepper in it and uh, Sam Elliott and so then when you're watching the ken burn document burns documentary uh you're seeing like they start talking about this battle and i'm like wait a minute that sounds like the, that that guy that sounds like the fucking mel gibson movie and they go in depth into the battle and everything and they they really did um uh with both of these movies i think do a good job of covering what really happened of course adding in dr- drama dramatic effect and drama um That makes it not just you know shooting and stuff blowing up you know the the human factor and everything, Uh, and um, when you watch that documentary and then you think about these movies, um, this was a time where okay you had platoon come out and uh, of course Boys from Company C I think was like the first Vietnam. War movie and go tell the Spartans with Burt Lancaster, uh, but then when Platoon came out and you started seeing and uh, Deer Hunter and Coming Home was not I mean Coming Home, Deer Hunter had some. You know, of course, you had the the shit with them getting off the helicopter and then there's Michael there with the flamethrower and everything, and then they get mortar rounds dropped on them, get captured, and then they do the you know that's a Mao you know slapping Uh, Russian roulette thing which was so controversial because there was never any recorded or any record of any Vietnamese capturing guys and f- making them play Russian roulette but there were records of them capturing guys and doing some fucking horrendous shit and there were records of us uh, and the, um, the uh, South Vietnamese and the united states soldiers capturing guys and doing shit and they talk about that in the ken burns documentary and uh the movie casualties of war with um sean penn and michael j fox that's another one that you know when you're watching that ken burns um documentary you hear them uh an actual soldier talking about how they kidnapped a girl And they took her out and and for like uh, I don't know how many days, uh, they took her along with them and they just like gang raped her and raped her you know over and over and over and all this shit. Um, So what you had was you had these Vietnam movies that came out and Platoon was you know Oliver Stone very uh, from his perspective a very realistic movie. Uh, you had Apocalypse Now come out. And then, of course, you had uh, everybody start jumping on the bandwagon because the Vietnam movies became big box office. And you'd have movies like the one with David Carradine, like POW Escape, and um, Chuck Norris. Um, and um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Well, the, And that came off kind of like the Rambo thing. Uh, uh, the Siege of Firebase Gloria was actually... Um, I remember that being more straight to VHS. Uh, I'm sure it played at like drive-ins and things like that. It may have even played in theaters, but I just remember seeing it on VHS, and that seemed like more of a low-budget movie. But it was really well done, and the story was really good. And of course, you had Arlie Ermy in that, and Wings Hauser, and Arlie ermie had all his experience to bring to the movie, so. Uh, making it more real and probably saying hey no they wouldn't do this here's what we would do here's what i saw Blah, blah 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 and so you had those movies like hamburger hill and hamburger hill was 1987 once uh we were soldiers or whatever with mel gibson that came out much later but those were movies that showed um I remember reading a, a, a critique of some of these movies where they would say, you know, even though we lost the Vietnam War, uh, we're going to make movies about uh, that, you know, or more like, you know, show how we won. You know, we may have lost, but we still won. Like Hamburger Hill was, uh, when you watch the Ken Burns documentary, and even when you watch this movie, it's like such a pointless battle. um Uh, you know you you had a movie uh, 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 pork chop hill with uh, gregory peck uh, and i think that one took place in korea but where they just uh in hamburger hill they said okay we're going to attack this hill because there's these nva there and the nva set them up and knew they were going to do it and then they just fucking it was just a battle over a lump of dirt and as soon as the the NVA after this horrible battle, where all these people are getting killed, and the and the uh, I don't know if it's the 82nd Airborne or whatever that went in there, um, they get fucking almost wiped out. everybody everybody's fucking uh, you know dying of fucking thirst and not getting food, not getting water. They're all shot to pieces and everything but the NVA finally pull out and they go up to the top of the hill even though they're all wounded and everything and they're up there like they climbed Mount Everest and got to put the uh, the uh, United States flag in the ground. They helicopter them out and they said there hadn't been an American on that that hill since that happened and probably never will be again. It, it, it meant absolutely nothing nothing and so it was kind of pointless and um there were a lot of movies like that and i appreciate the realism because um i think the victory in some a lot of those movies and even the one with mel gibson or um you know siege of firebase glory if you want to go down there is the um the guys fighting for each other, you know uh, that they're they're there. They have no choice. They're there. They're doing their job, and their job might suck. And they're, they're the reasons for them being there and everything may be wrong, but it's a survival thing. And it shows, you know, the the the. And that's like with Deer Hunter. One of the things I liked the most that I liked about that movie was the friendship, the camaraderie, and the friendship. And these guys coming together. This is horrific, and everything but it's like you're the 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 bond they say that guys in battle you know you'll never understand uh and and uh, you know so i i think those movies are good um i don't think hamburger hill I, i'm trying to th- that movie i think it was almost too realistic that they they didn't have enough it was almost done like a in a documentary style there it was just climbing up that fucking hill in the fucking mud and getting blown back down or blown up and then going back down and then they'd be like god damn we got to get up there Or but um with the exception of um was it courtney b smith courtney b vance Courtney B Vance, honest to God, and uh, what's his face, uh, Dylan McDermott. I couldn't tell you the, who any of the guys were in it, and, I, and I'm seeing here like I think Don Cheadle was in it, and uh, but the, the guys were like kind of not memorable. Courtney B Vance had a um, had a um, a scene where he gets to kind of do uh, you know just a dialogue by himself where he's talking about. Uh, I think he was like a medic or something like that, and I remember he had the 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 uh, glasses, the plastic re- frame glasses and everything. But I remember vividly his um, scene where he got to shine. But then the rest of it, you know, it wasn't like even in platoon you had it was almost like Ahab was uh, fucking uh, Tom Berenger this you know uh veteran scarred up fucking asshole who is just like this is you know you want reality i am reality you know or you you smoke that shit to get away from reality well i am reality and reality is this shit and you guys are you know and then you had uh it was like the yin and yang or whatever, or the Jesus and the devil with Willem Dafoe being the good nice guy that's trying to help people and help the young recruits trying to help the Vietnamese or whatever. Uh, but he knows his shit. And then you have Beringer, who is this kind of redneck, scarred up asshole that's just tough as not like almost like a John Wayne kind of it was like Beringer was like John Wayne and um uh, uh, uh what's his face? Willem Dafoe's character would be like John Voight in Coming Home before he came home, you know. Uh, The one was, uh, it was two different generations of thinking. Uh, It would be almost like uh, one of them, uh, you know, so anyway, you you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, But, yeah, Hamburger Hill was, I remember when we went to see it and we were all into going and watching these Vietnam movies and everything, and I just remember the battle scenes and everything were very super realistic but thinking that the movie, they got it right, but they missed out on it because it wasn't that great as far as um, building the characters. Like uh, character development where you actually, you know, this is, and I'm not saying they have to go back to the old days where you have uh, text from New York and uh, Fatty and uh, old Slim over there and, uh, you know, Chief, who was a fucking Sioux or something and, uh, you know, that kind of shit. And, uh, you know, Witty. Oh, boys, I'll catch you when you come back, you know. So anyway, Hamburg Hill needed a Witty. <laughs> Witty! Witty! And Witty ended up being kind of a badass because, remember, he fired his Uzi at the Simba and uh, so that the other guys could get away, and then when he ran out, he pulled out his fucking, uh, like his uh, uh, trench knife or his bayonet or whatever the fuck, and these here come these Simbas with the fucking big machetes, and he fucking, you know, I guess he didn't have a choice, but still, he they they hacked him to pieces, but he had some balls, uh, and he liked to have him sucked. <laughs> okay, now people, for some reason, I was up one night, and this is kind of one of those things where I don't know why... Um, but I'm up and I'm talking about movies on fucking Facebook with some people and it's getting late and I'm looking on Amazon and looking up and I I wanted to look up some Christopher Walken movies and I thought okay I get on iTunes maybe see if there's any Christopher Walken shit on there I haven't seen in a while that I want to watch Um, King of New York is on there but honest to God honest to God people and I know some of you guys love that fucking movie I have given it so many chances everybody i know loves it and i fucking watch it and every time i watch it i'm like this movie sucks i don't i don't like it i, do, I just can't get into it so i'm i'm going to have to ta- and, and i still now think maybe i should fucking Download, get on iTunes, download King of New York, and fucking watch it again. Just to see if I fucking like And I thought about that with Paris, Texas the other day, because I know Loaf loved it. I like Vim Vendors, but I just did not like it. So those two are two that I kind of like, okay, maybe I should fucking watch them again, give them a chance, look for things that maybe I'm missing. So anyway... <laughs> <laughs> on the on, uh, king of new york and uh you know uh fucking uh, paris texas but that has nothing to do with this <laughs> i'm on there looking at christopher walken movies and i get on imdb and i find 1991's McBain, and um directed and written by james Glickenhouse. And, goddammit, I fucking get on Amazon. I'm looking for it on iTunes. They don't have it on iTunes. I think Amazon Prime. They may have had it. I can't remember. But I thought, you know what? I don't own McBain. I want to get McBain, and I want to watch McBain. Santos attempts to lead a people's revolt in Colombia to overthrow uh, the oppressive El Presidente. When his revolt falls and he is killed, his sister Christina goes to New York to find... McBain and so I end up buying fucking McBain and I get McBain for like a a couple of bucks but it's coming from like England (laughs) it's coming from like London or somewhere in England and I think it may be I I I have a region free DVD player so nothing will stop me but I McBain is on the way and I actually got a, a a thing from Amazon that said McBain I should be receiving it soon um I am going to watch McBain and I am going to review it on the show. So, McBain. Now who else is in McBain? Now it McBain of course has Christopher Walken, and I love Christopher Walken and Dogs of War and you know other you know fucking Deer Hunter, all these other movies, and it's fucking great. Back in the day it was really great, and then he kind of became like Pacino and Heat, which I'll be talking about here in just a few minutes. Um where he started playing Pacino, just started playing Pacino in every role, and um, and Christopher Walken plays Christopher Walken. Um, but what's his name? Michael Ironside is in this, you know. Um, but I'll talk about McBain later. I just think it's funny that when you are up, and if you have money, uh, some money, and you're thinking, yeah, maybe I'll get on here and buy, buy some movies, you know, to watch, you know, whatever, uh, you end up with McBain. Uh, Rolling Vengeance? a truck driver builds a special eight-ton truck to help get revenge against the rednecks who killed his family and raped his girlfriend. Now, that fucking sounds pretty good, right? Rolling Vengeance, 1987, rated R. Who's in this? Don Michael Paul, uh, Lawrence Dane, and Ned Beatty. And this was directed by Stephen Hilliard Stern and written by Michael Thomas Montgomery. Don Michael Paul. That name sounds familiar. Who the fuck is that? Okay. Don Michael Paul attended California State University. Fullerton graduated. I love when they start. Well, just tell us what fucking movies he's in. I don't want to fucking sit here and uh, and uh, look uh, here. Okay. He, he uh, was potty trained by so-and-so. Okay. He directed Sniper Legacy with Tom Berenger, Tremor's Five Bloodlines, Uh, Death Race 4, Beyond Anarchy. I don't know if I've seen that one or not. I'm going to check that out. Death Race 4? I think I gave up after He was a writer on Harley Davidson and Marlboro Man, which doesn't... That's not helpful to me because I thought that movie sucked fucking assholes after the first, like, two minutes. Um, What else did this cocksucker do? Uh, I'm sure, from what I can see here, he didn't do too goddamn much. This is what he was starring in. Alien from L.A. Winter People. That was uh, with Kurt Russell and uh kelly mcgillis i thought i've seen that a bunch of times that was kurt russell playing kind of a nerd uh kind of a douche who has to prove himself robot wars uh do you do any porn or anything (laughs) none of this shit means anything to me uh lots of tv lots of tv i I don't even recognize who this asshole is they have any pictures of him was he in McBain? there used to be a race car driver i think john paul jr or something like that or, and then and uh i used to hear about him a lot on uh, wtbs um and um then they got him and his son got busted for cocaine and all this shit and it's like the guy that was our the head of our uh, kung fu theater jt will he would do kung fu theater, and then he got busted for, for having all this cocaine that of a drug fucking smuggling ring. He was kind of a fat guy. I think I may have talked about that before. What else we got here? Uh, the taking of Beverly Hills with Ken Wall. I think I've seen that. That was back when Ken Wall was going to be something. Before he jumped out a window and fucking broke his fucking neck trying to get out of his friend's wife's house after when he was fucking her that's almost like if you're gonna go i mean you almost wish he would have died because <laughs> you know then he was just a, a drug addict uh cause, from pain pills and shit forever and got big and fat but you know if he would have died leaping out of his best for like some producer or director or a friend of his big titted white well then he he hooked up with his barbie twins with the giant titties whatever strip nude for your killer from 1975 when a fashion model dies during an abortion a series of murders begins starting with her doctor the next victims are connected to the modeling agency where she worked albatross who's in that another piece of shit michael ironside steve james well, god damn anybody seen this christopher Walken's in this he plays robert McBain. this is is this... Wait a minute. No, I'm still on the McBain page. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <God. laughs> I was like, God damn it, everybody from McBain is in Strip Dude for your killer. <laughs> and it was made in 1975 and McBain was 1991. No, I'm still on the fucking McBain page, you dumb shit. Okay, let's get off here. Off the beaten path. Back on the beaten path. Okay, let's skip over that. Uh, listen to uh, Paleo Cinema Podcast with Terry Frost. I just listened to uh, his review of Spectre. And he goes into not just Spectre, but into all the whole James Bond shit. It's a really good episode. Check it out. Bless all the new episodes. And Martian Drive-In Podcast. Bapadoo doo doo uh, doo That Spectre episode was really good. I I, I got out of listening to... A lot of podcasts because I got Sirius satellite radio in my car, and so I be I'd, I'm listening to either new stuff on there or like Howard Stern or hockey uh, or there's an MMA channel that has wrestling and MMA. So I got to listen to like Gentleman's Guide and all my p- p- friends' podcasts and everything. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't think the Sirius uh, is worth as much as they charge. Everybody tells me that if you're going to, you know, when your thing's up, just tell them you're going to cancel and they'll get it down about 15 bucks. Um, so anyway, uh, Prime Cut from 1972. Uh, uh, this is a Michael Ritchie directed, uh, written by Robert Dillon, starring uh, Lee Marvin Gene Hackman and Sissy Spacek, who was so fucking hot in this. She was only probably about 19 years old, and uh, she's very naked in it quite a bit, and then Lee Marvin buys her a dress to wear to a restaurant that is completely, it's green, but it's completely see-through. And she's got red hair and freckles and pretty eyes, and uh, the green goes great, and she looked hot. Uh, One of the only movies that I would say that Sissy Spacek, where I would watch it and say, man, Sissy Spacek was fucking hot. She was. She was really Good looking. Um now of course this is the one. <laughs> this is a very strange movie. Uh and that's why it's really good. Uh Gene Hackman plays marianne Um um then you have Clarabel, which was the clown in Howdy Doody, but Clarabel is played by Angel Tompkins. And you have Weenie, uh George Walcott. Poppy is uh Sissy Spacek. Uh, I think Lee Marvin is the only one that has a goddamn fucking normal name, Nick Devlin. And Nick's from uh, the Chicago you know, the syndicate, and he's getting sent to uh, straighten Mary Ann out because Mary Ann takes uh, one of the syndicate guys from Chicago that goes out to, to tell him, hey, you know, dude, you're fucking up, and they kill the guy and grind him up into hot dogs and send him back to Chicago, basically telling the Chicago syndicate to uh, stay out of Kansas City's business. And Kansas City, you know, is considered more the, uh, they're, they're, everybody out there is like a redneck. Uh, not even just like a redneck, but like farm people. And uh, they all kind of, their business, their um, their front for their money laundering and stuff like that is the cattle business. And so a lot of this stuff takes place in uh, stockyards. And uh, they go to this big gathering, this big like... Uh, Oh, cookout or whatever I guess it would be and Lee Marvin, that's when he first confronts Gene Hackman and Gene Hackman sitting there with all these guys and they're eating and he's eating like I don't know if he's eating like chicken livers or liver or whatever and Lee Marvin walks over and goes you eat guts and I mean and then uh, Gene Hackman and his brother uh, apparently just for fun get in these like fucking knockdown drag out fist fights in their apartment or whatever for no reason and just beat the f- I mean it would be like a fight that you had if you were fighting for your life but they do it for fun and um Gene Hackman is just a fucking weirdo. Now, again, of course, I want to watch this. I have it down in the basement. I need to go dig out some of these DVDs. A vicious Kansas City slaughterhouse owner and his Hick family are having a blood feud, or bloody beef, and they have beef in quotations, with the Chicago Crime Syndicate over profits from their illegal joint, or from their joint illegal operations i'm getting ahead of myself uh top enforcer nick devlin is sent to straighten things out and they have whores like uh uh child's or not child like but like a white slavery ring and of course sissy spacex and one of the chicks and uh they they keep the girls that they're like the white slavery i guess they get them hooked on dope and everything and they keep them in like uh stalls that they would keep a horse or cattle in they're like laying there naked on on hay like their livestock Uh, let's see The Killers with uh, Lee Marvin 1964 surprised that their contract victim uh, didn't try to run away from them two professional hitmen try to find out who hired them and why I don't think I have ever seen that I know I have seen the picture of Lee Marvin there's a picture of him and he's got a big suppressor or silencer on the end of his pistol I've seen that and a gif I think from that so I need to watch that of course Charlie Varick is great nineteen seventy three, Seven Ups, another great movie, uh kind of a little bit of a spin off I guess of French Connection maybe with Roy Schader. Roy Schader and then Night Moves with Gene Hackman. Get some Gene Hackman recommends here. Lyme is cool. The outfit uh, Night Moves is um that's Gene Hackman. Who is else is in that cocksucker? There's somebody else famous in that. Maybe not. I thought, that's that's Arthur Penn, right? Uh, James Woods, what a creep he turned out to be. He was a creep anyway, but still a creep. Melanie Griffith had to be really young in that. I think she was. A little piece of chicken in that. (laughs) My friend used to be like, "Eh, she's a nice little piece of chicken. And he's a weirdo, so... Uh he was the one that uh, gave me the saying smooth as a gravy sandwich. And I don't even know what that means. does not gravy have some lumps in it maybe? Uh we never had I never had a gravy sandwich. I had shit on shingles, which is gravy over a um like a biscuit. Or a, you know, yeah, biscuit. That's good, man, I'm hungry. Uh yeah. You know, can't eat that shit though unless it's got gluten-free whatever because uh, I, like i said I, I i've been eating i haven't been eating anything with gluten in it but i feel like my uh digestive tract is messed up like when i before i found out that i had that allergy and i've been really here i mean just trying to get back on track things are messed up uh, But I just had a colonoscopy, you know, last year, so I know everything's probably okay. Dillinger, 1973. Somebody brought that up. John Milius, written by John Milius, directed by John Milius, so you know it's going to be macho as fucking hell. Starring Warren Oates, Ben Johnson and Michelle Phillips, who was very hot. All the leaves are brown, the leaves are brown, and the sky's gray. And talk about somebody who has bad luck with men she was married to dennis hopper for like a couple of days and then she left him and he said what am i gonna do without you and she goes you ever think about suicide so that's how he was so fucked up on drugs and such a weirdo and um Uh, not a pleasant person from what Peter Fonda said and uh, from what Peter Fonda said also got a little bit of a a woman smacker around her and uh, also she was married to John Phillips who by all uh, accounts from his daughter Mackenzie Phillips was a pervert who fucked his own daughter Um, more notes Ben Johnson, Cloris Leachman who uh, we know from um, Ed Asner had one of the best asses uh, of all time, Harry Dean Stanton, Jeffrey Lewis who was a um, uh, Juliet Lewis's dad, and a, in the Clint Eastwood uh, uh, actor kind of troupe, uh, Richard Dreyfuss as Babyface Nelson was excellent in this. Steve Canale who played um, on Loaf's favorite show Dallas, he played Ray, uh, was in this, and he played Pretty Boy Floyd. Now, if you read about John Dillinger and um you know all these people were around at the same time Babyface and all pretty boy floyd and uh and uh, harry dean stanton played uh homer van meter who uh, supposedly was related to one of my ex girlfriends family um ben johnson's melvin purvis uh a lot of these uh they kind of put like a homer van meter Pretty Boy Floyd, Babyface Nelson kind of put them all together with Dillinger and everything but I don't think that, from my memory I don't think that ever really happened but it's good for drama, it's good for making a good movie um, it's not a documentary it's very entertaining I really like it uh, Warren Notes is excellent as John Dillinger I thought he did a really good job um, if you watch the movie with um, Johnny Depp and Christian Bale it's probably more realistic about, you know, what happened and everything. But then, again, nowhere near as entertaining. Loaf does not like that movie. What else we got here? Wind in the Lion with Sean Connery. That's another one, Milius. If you read about what really happened, that's based on a true story, just like Dillinger. And in, and in the same way, Milius says, okay, we're going to take this and we're going to make a movie out of it. But the real story, and that uh, Petty Kaddush, who's played by... Uh, um, Candace Bergen was a dude. It was like a middle-aged dude that got kidnapped, but they decided okay, hey, we can make this. This will be a lot better, more entertaining if it's a good-looking woman and some kids, and uh, Sean Connery is a uh, a Scotsman who plays, you know, uh, an, an Arab who is, uh, you know, first kidnaps her, but then eventually you know, they bond and all this shit. And then Brian Keith is in that as Teddy Roosevelt, which is excellent. He he's really good at playing Teddy Roosevelt. And um I think uh John Houston, John Houston is in that too. He plays one of Teddy's uh um advisors in Washington. Of course, Teddy Roosevelt's going out trying to, you know, prove he's macho and a man on these hunting trips and they're shooting grizzly bears and Brian Keith was excellent as Teddy Roosevelt. I thought he was really good. Another movie that I forgot about that I would like to watch again is Farewell to the King. This was also on HBO. I remember when it came out and it was on uh, VHS, and this was also directed by John Milius, uh, written by Pierre Schaendorfer, who uh, did the um, uh, Dien Bien Phu uh, epic and also did uh, 317 Platoon that I always talk about and that they reviewed on Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema when I fucked my days up and realized, like, uh, oh, my God, probably it was after they did the show, like, probably th- an hour after they did the show, I was like, fuck, that was today, not tomorrow. <laughs> and they're like, eh, so I'm going to be on here in a little bit. He must be late or whatever. Well, let's go ahead and do the show. But anyway, this stars Nick Nolte uh, when he was really... A rising, kind of. He was like a top guy at this time. He was coming off a lot of good movies, and he got a lot of parts. And uh, this was a World War Two movie. An American soldier who escapes the execution of his comrades by Japanese soldiers in Borneo uh, during World War Two becomes the leader and personal uh, of a personal empire among the headhunters. Uh, and um, really good movie. I have not. Well, I remember it being good. I haven't seen it in forever, though, so it might suck now. Who else is in this cocksucker? (laughs) Nick Nolte, Nigel Havers, Frank McRae. We know who that is. Um, And James Fox. Not a lot of other people. I did. I knew. I. I. Well, of course. I don't think I knew at the time that this was Melius i do now and i did definitely did not know that this was pierre Schondorfer and i really like him so uh i want to watch this again i have not seen this probably since uh the early night or late 80s early 90s uh let's go back here uh, nick nolte had a nice had a big uh, tattoo on his chest that the natives put on there which reminds me of a movie i'm going to be talking about here in just a little bit how long have i been going on babbling Hour and a half, because i got shit i got to go do. I guess I could pause and come back after I go to the post office and uh, go pick up my prescriptions and stuff and my shoes at the post office, which is where I'm going. (laughs) Where's Dillinger? What is this John Dillinger movie from 1945? And back then, those movies definitely were not, uh, they were more dramatic. Okay, this is Lawrence Tierney, who played uh, Joe in uh, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, that that's interesting enough there that I want to watch it. John Dillinger begins his life of crime as a petty thief, meets his future gang in prison, and eventually masterminds a series of daring robberies. Directed by Max Nossek and written by Philip Jordan. And it's a uh, Y, not a me doing a J in Swedish. Edmund Lowe. Uh, who else is in this? Uh, see, I, and of course, like I said, now these are... Um, this is definitely a more, you know, Hollywood from that time where nothing... They, uh, the guy's name's Dillinger and he robs places. That's as close as it comes to being, I think, uh, anything that's uh, realistic to the actual story. But what do they give it on this motherfucker? A 6.6. Lawrence Tyranny. I want to watch more stuff with him. I think I, I have watched a couple of movies, just be, old movies, just because he was in it. And I remember him as Joe. The Thing. He looks like the fucking Thing. Big Wednesday, of course, we talked about. It. I think we covered it on the show, which is a great fucking movie, surfer movie. A uh, nice companion piece to Point Break with uh, Sways and uh, Keanu. <laughs> Bader Meinhof Complex, 2008. Der Bader Meinhof Complex. Um, by Uli Adel, uh, written by Berard Eichinger, uh, Uli Adel, screenplay collaborator, Martina Gadek, uh, Mortiz Belletro, Johanna Wakalec. Uh Watch this again. Uh, I love this movie. It is so interesting to me. Uh, and of course after I watch it I get on Wikipedia and I look up all the real people and what happened and everything and then I get off in an offshoot of uh, from Bader meinhof to other uh, you know Red Army Faction, United Red Army and all these um, communist based terror organizations and then you get into Munich by Spielberg, you get into 21 Hours of Munich, Raid right on Entebbe, Operation Thunderbolt, uh and uh, other movies about terrorism at the time and they're all very interesting this movie is very interesting the the actors are fantastic this unlike uh dillinger or the dillinger with tyranny or you know whatever um this movie is goes right along with what happened now there is a killing in this uh, one of the people that was kidnapped and killed um they show and, and it's i think uh it was the the wife of the guy um was so pissed off first of all they took her to the they asked her to uh be involved in the movie and i don't think she wanted to do it so then she didn't think that, okay, if I don't do this, then they can say whatever they want and present it however they want. And so then she went to the movie not knowing that there was going to be a scene where they vividly murder her husband in you know all its HD glory or technicolor or whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to say, um, all up on screen, which really upset her because... I think that she was saying that it didn't happen the way that it happened and, you know, that she was really pissed off and she was going to sue him and everything else. Then there were a lot of people that were pissed off at the German government because they said, okay, you helped finance this movie about these fucking murderers, uh, these terrorists or, you know, if you want to call them freedom fighters, whatever, um you helped finance this movie about these people who were going around kidnapping and murdering people, blowing things up and everything. But then you would censor other things and it was, you know, but, but from, uh, for the perspective of a United States citizen, I find it very interesting. I was just talking to my sister about this because when I posted that I had watched it again, I bought it on, uh, iTunes. um, she was asking me about it you know is this movie any good what's it about blah, blah 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 so i gave her a little you know kind of in a nutshell thing about what the movie's about and i told her it's really good but one thing that i got from this watching at this time and any other time is even though it's interesting i said to her you know fanatics are very interesting people You know, you think about all the Nazi movies and the documentaries and stuff about Nazis, and these people were fucking fanatics, like the SS, and uh, when they were coming up with the Final Solution, and and I'm trying to think of some other, but that's just, you know, the gist of it. But they are still, even though they are interesting, and you can make good movies uh, that are interesting and uh, good dramatic movies, they are nonetheless fanatics, and nonetheless, to me... Fucked up in the head, and you could say that about American uh, certain segments of American soldiers who were fanatics in, who knows, you know what different wars, or uh, whether they're white right wing fascists, whether they're communists, whether they're Muslims, um, or even in cults, uh, you know, so whether it's Scientology or Jim Jones and uh, Guyana, um, you know, anything like that. When these people, there are certain segments of the population that think, like say in, uh, that are Christians, uh, you may be a Christian and you may believe in peace, love, forgiveness, and everything, and of course everybody has their faults, but then you have people that think, if I'm, I want to be the, the the most Christian, I want to be the biggest Christian, I want to follow everything by the letter, and if you don't, it's like United Red Army well, where the Japanese students were Uh, getting together to do sort of what the Bader-Meinhof gang or the RAF, Red Army Faction, did. And these fuckers were so fanatical that they started out with, say, like um, 29 people and trying to purge the people that they didn't think were fanatical Marxists, Leninists enough. Uh, They killed, like, If they had 29 people in the United Red Army, the fucking actually, the actual people had these meetings and they would purge the people that they said weren't crazy or weren't fanatical to the cause enough to where they had started with 29 and they murdered, they beat and hacked up or tied these people to fence posts out in the middle of nowhere in the wintertime and they all died of exposure. They went from 29 people down to 14 at their own hand because they were fanatics. And that's the same thing with this movie. These people um you had the Vietnam War going on at this time. You had the Israeli Palestinian question. Uh you had the probably the you know the uh uh Irish and British uh thing going on. But not only that, you also had, these are the children in Botter-Meinhof, RAF, uh, Red Army Faction, um, that grew up with the generation before them, their parents and their their uncles and aunts and grandparents and everything. That were Nazis that lived in Nazi Germany, and they're saying, "How could you do this? How could you be involved in this? How could you let this happen? Why didn't you speak up?" And they said that they would get the same thing. Oh, well, uh, we didn't. Not all of us were Nazis. Uh, none of us. Uh, we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know about the Jews. We didn't know this. We didn't know that. And meanwhile, they're still all. You know, they're, they're not all of them. I shouldn't say that. That's that's completely wrong to say that. But their parents might might still be anti-semitic but under the covers now because it's not you know or they may have been in the ss they may have been uh just guys that got drafted uh and, and maybe they did live somewhere where they didn't know all this shit was going on i don't know but i'm just saying that played on their conscience of um the things that people were capable of, and why didn't you speak up? And how uh, fascism, where the government and the industrialists got together and created this fucking grotesque killing machine, uh, and that there was no way to justify it, and if you weren't speaking out against it, and then you had the whole thing about you know Germany being divided at that time, still East and West, where one of them's communist and the other's not. And so instead of going with, okay, we're going to embrace capitalism and America goes over and rebuilds Germany. And if you watch um, the John Voight Maximilian Shell movie, um, God damn it, drawing a blank. Oi, 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 oi. I want to say boys from Brazil, but that's not it. I know that's not it. It is Odessa You see John Voigt, he's a taxi driver in Germany um, after, in the 50s, like after World War II, and it looks, you know, they have storefronts. It looks like he's driving down maybe uh, in Berlin, uh, driving down, uh, you know, uh, in, in New York City or something. There's shops in the, at nighttime, and the windows are open, and people are eating in restaurants, and you can see in the big windows and everything, and it was just, you know, a few years after, you um, the whole place was burned and fucking bombed out and people were, you know, finding out about concentration camps and all this shit. So anyway, instead of embracing that as uh, and, and their, their parents, you know, in the East, they went to embrace the West, which is like, this is wrong, this is bullshit, blah, 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 workers should unite, people should unite, and again... Uh, it's like now when people say, "Well, you're, you know, what, are you fucking a socialist or whatever, you know," and you say, "Well, no, you know, but you have to have a healthy balance of socialism and capitalism. You can't have uh, the unbridled, uh, unregulated." of either one because then you get the abuse of it and you get Stalin and you get fucking Hitler or you get uh the Red Army faction or you get uh uh the Ku Klux Klan or something like that. So anyway, this is a really good movie. I recommend it and I think everybody did a great job on it. Again, I understand some of the victims seeing this and thinking, you know, wait a minute. You're glorifying this or, you know, seeing th- their loved ones getting murdered and then having to deal with that so but it's a good movie uh i want to get red uh, red or uh, united red army uh i had a chance to get it a while back and for some reason i didn't i think i just rented it cuz i know i had it um or maybe I, yeah i think i rented it and now it's not as available it might be on amazon prime i'm sure it is uh, like or the you know the instant watch on there. Um, now, a movie that I watched that I have not seen in a long time, and the, one of the reasons I watched it is because it's just been remade. I have not seen the remake; it hasn't come out in the theater here. I'm pretty sure we'll see it on iTunes before we see it uh, in the theater here, because when I looked it up, it says it was made in 2017, and that was that's the movie Papillon. I watched the Steve McQueen Dustin Hoffman version. Uh, directed by Franklin J. Uh, Schaffner and uh, written by adult, uh, well Dalton Trumbo wrote the screenplay, um, and of course he you know if you watch the uh, the Trumbo um, movie and watch the documentary and stuff about him you you know that he all the Hollywood blacklisting and he went through all that shit which is very interesting um and Brian Cranston plays him in the movie which is a really good movie especially the scenes where he's confronted with John Wayne and the actor that played John Wayne was really good um uh Henri uh Charnier uh is Papillon and he's called Papillon because he has a big butterfly tattooed on his chest and uh Steve McQueen is so super cool in this uh this is one of the one of Steve McQueen's best movies and I love this one I love Sand Pebbles Um, also, uh, of course, Bullet and Cincinnati Kid. Um, Now, I have not seen this in a long time. I've watched it a million times. We used to play... Papillon in the backyard. We had two apple trees in our backyard and they like forked and my dad had a a big piece of pipe in between them so we could play on it like almost like a jungle gym and do round offs and stuff like that or walk up it like a little monkey or whatever when we were little kids. And uh, I remember us watching, watching the trailer for Papillon and stuff and we were like, before we could even see it, before it was on TV, and we were like, yeah, I heard that, or even maybe one of my friends whose mother didn't give a shit and would let him go see whatever he wanted, when he was, like, in grade school, uh, saw on, he was like, yeah, they made him eat bugs and stuff. We're like, what? I gotta see this. You know, you're a little kid, you're like, oh my god, they made him eat bugs, I gotta see this. So anyway, he didn't, they didn't make him eat bugs, he ate bugs to, sur- to fucking survive because he had protein, he had cockroaches and shit, uh, if he could catch them. And, um, so anyway, um, Henri Charnier, uh, wrote this novel about how he went to the penal colony of French Guiana. Uh, he supposedly was accused of killing a pimp. And, um, he of course said, you know, he didn't. And, um, now the, the actual there's a lot of people and when they go back and look at the records and stuff they say that uh, Charnier, uh was in uh, Penal Colony French Guiana but he they don't have any records that he was ever on Devil's Island and if you want to watch like the Jim Brown movie you know, Escape from Devil's Island stuff like that there's some other, other things that kind of revolve around that I'm curious to see unlike some people some people have totally rejected the new movie with uh, Charlie Hunnam and um, oh, what's his name from iRobot what fuck's that guy's name uh, Ramy Malik. Um, some people do not want to see it. They're like, "This is, is useless remake." Blah 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 blah. Now, I did read some things where they said it is different than the Steve McQueen movie, and that it's not as much an action movie, and that it, it is different. So, I'm curious. That's one thing when they talk about a remake. First of all, if I haven't seen it yet, I don't, I'm not going to fucking sit there and shit on it because until I see it, you know, fuck, I might watch it. And it might be fucking entertaining. It might be good. They might take it. Do, do a different take on it. They may, you know, when people come out and say, well, Charnier, uh kind of embellished the book and he took stories that other people had told him when he was there and said that it was him. So they may in the new movie address that that he didn't do all this shit you know that he did some of it but he didn't do all of it and you know whatever so it may be a good movie i will watch it because i'm a fan of the original and uh, i'm just curious and i like ramey malik uh charlie hunnam's kind of hit or miss a lot of miss uh not miss he's just adequate he's uh, so far he i haven't seen anything where his acting chops other than the um The Hooligan, Green Street Hooligans. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good in that. Uh, And of course, Sons of Anarchy, he was good in that, the TV show. Uh, This is a really good movie. It really takes me back. Uh, It gives me a lot of nostalgia feeling. Uh, Welcome to the penal colony of French Guiana, whose prisoners you are and from which there is no escape. And it's got Vic Tabak in it. <laughs> who played, uh, uh, what's his name, Mel on uh, Alice. You can get anything you want at Alice's restaurant. Gregory Sierra, who played Julio Fuentes on San Francisco, is in this. Uh, he doesn't speak any English. He uh, meets up with Papillon and tries to help him as they're escaping. And these uh, the uh, manhunters hire these uh, headhunters, like little... Pygmy headhunters or whatever to chase after him, but he runs really funny. I don't know what's the deal with him. He when on Seinfeld, they ta- Elaine talked about a, a girl who walked around with her arms just hanging like fucking uh, salamis, and that's how he runs. He runs, but he runs with his arms hanging down like he's um, uh, Cornelius in the fucking Planet of the Apes or something. Anyway, William Smithers is really good in this. He is the uh, the uh, warden or you know i think the warden of the place where they send them and they're not allowed to make any noise you know silences you know whatever and um he's really good bill uh bill moomy is in this and he was the kid on he was will robinson in um lost in space tv show and uh god bless the beast and the children movie after the, after he was on that uh, I don't think he ever really did a lot after that he, that's what he's famous for but I did not realize that that was him in the fucking movie until I watched it this time. Don Gordon, who was a, who's in uh, some several Steve McQueen movies. I think they were actually really good friends. Uh, Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman did not really get along. Uh, there's times where they would ask uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman, and he would say, you know, Steve McQueen was a gentleman, blah, 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 blah. And I think what he was saying was like off off the set when they if they were together at like a dinner or something like that that Steve McQueen was really cool, and he was a nice guy and everything, but during the movie he called him he said he that that son of a bitch, and I don't think they got along plus I think that Hoffman came from the generation of method acting and Steve McQueen would be like you know there was a thing where he Hoffman was doing a scene and Steve McQueen went up to him and said Les man Les you don't need to say all this shit you know uh uh just you know just act you don't have to say all these lines you know he was the kind of guy that would that would pull uh uh pages out of the script and say you know you don't need to do all this shit dude um it's a really good movie i really enjoyed it uh it's a long movie and i remember when i was a kid when they first started showing it on tv i would remember up until the point i don't know maybe if they showed it in two parts on the saturday or on the um, uh, sunday night movie or something like that on abc sometimes they would do that and then some movies like james bond movies that went over two hours They would start them at 9. Well, they wouldn't finish until after 11. And depending on how old I was at the time, like when I was in high school, uh, you know, mostly when I was a senior, you know, yeah, if I stayed up a little bit later, you know, after 11. But you had to get up and go to school. So most of the time you'd go to sleep at 11 o'clock. But I remember years before that, like, say, in grade school, going to bed at, like, you know eight o'clock and then after a couple of years after a year or so use nine o'clock then 10 o'clock because starsky and hutch would come on but my parents would make us all go to bed at 10 o'clock uh and i can't remember how old i was at that time But I wanted, that was probably like 76, and I wanted to watch, so maybe as like nine years old, I wanted to watch Starsky and Hutch, but I couldn't the first season because I had to go to bed at 10 and it came on at 10. But then the next year we could stay up till 11, so then I got to watch Starsky and Hutch. So anyway, love, Papillon. But what I was going to say was, I remember for a long time only seeing this movie from the beginning till. Steve McQueen and um, the guy that played Julio in Sanford and Son are being chased, and whatever happens, happens to that guy. And then McQueen is still running, and he gets shot with these blow guns, these darts, and he falls off this thing into the water. Then it's almost like there should be an intermission there, and I think there may have been... Or they may, I don't think they showed it in, I don't know if they showed it in two parts, because I, it's, I'm trying to think, okay, it's two hours and 31 minutes. So, like I said, probably the last half hour or more I would miss until I got older to where I could either stay up and watch it, or then again, watch it on VHS. And then you get to see the scenes where McQueen, um, uh, Pepillon, um, uh, well, I don't want to tell you anything else, because some of you may have not seen this, but this is a good movie. I like it. McQueen was really good in this. Um, then I watched Heat from 1995. And to be honest with you, while I was watching this, I started to watch uh, uh, Trouble with Curveball or whatever the fuck it is uh, with uh, Clint Eastwood and Justin Timberlake and uh, I think Amy Adams. And it did. Somebody commented and said, is this a is this a Hallmark movie? And when I was started watching it, I might watch watched the first half hour and that's what I thought. And I was like, man, this movie ain't worth a shit. So I fucking turned it off. So I gave up on it. And I started watching Heat because it was on Netflix Instant also. And I know that Heat would never let me down, and it didn't. Now, the funny thing about Heat was while I was watching it, I was commenting on it on the group. So 99% of the shit that I would say uh, while reviewing this if you want to read that post on the group and follow along, um, yeah, uh, you'd probably be better off to do that because I feel like I would almost—I'm almost like repeating myself now. Other than saying that it's fucking great, I love it. I know that at one point, Will did not like this movie, and he did not like Michael Mann. And I even told Will from Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, Big Willie, um, I was telling him, I said, "Dude, have you never seen?" He, but see, at that time, he hadn't seen Thief. Uh, with James Caan, Willie Nelson, Jim Belushi, and everybody. Uh, Dennis Farina. And uh, so then I think he, once he started seeing some of these Michael Mann movies that were, like, great Michael Mann movies, I think he did become a fan. Uh, um, At the time, I'm trying to think what else was out at the time of heat, if it was Casino... Or if it was Goodfellas or what, but I at the time actually liked Heat. I went to see it in the theater, and I saw. I think oh, let's see when was when was Goodfellas out? It was either maybe Casino or Goodfellas. Let's see when was Goodfellas out? God damn it, mouse! Come on, mouse, mouse, mouse. Uh, I almost typed in mouse. <laughs> Goodfellas was out in nineteen ninety, and Heat was nineteen ninety-five, so it wasn't that. But there was something that was out at almost the exact same time as maybe it was Casino, that everybody loved, and Heat didn't get as much love. Yeah, probably Casino, but I actually liked Heat more than I liked Casino uh, when when and I probably I probably saw them like back to back. Um, love the cast. This is one of the best, greatest cast fucking put together ever. If you go back and you you can find some stuff where they'll say like they wanted Keanu Reeves to play the Val Kilmer part and I'm trying to think there were some other people and, and it's kind of interesting like uh Chris Christopherson was they were looking maybe to get him to play the John Voight part, which I did not realize until I was watching and reading some of the stuff that the John Voight part was actually based on ed edward bunker uh who uh wrote straight time and who was uh was it mr not mr brown because mr brown was um quentin tarantino and reservoir dogs what i gotta be mr brown it sounds too close to mr shit <laughs> i think it's mr blue edward bunker was in that uh and he also did like uh, uh wrote animal factory with um Um, I think Willem Dafoe and uh, Ed Furlong Uh, lots of different things like that he and Danny Trejo were in prison together in real life and um, so anyway um, there was another movie because he was the guy that made up he would would, uh, dream up these jobs and how to do them and he would sell the jobs to a crew in real life, Edward Bunker and um so anyway, I did not know that John Voight's character was based on Edward Bunker. But then when you look at the picture of Edward Bunker in Reservoir Dogs and you look at a picture of John Voight playing this part, they look exactly alike. Um, love every part of this. She got a great ass. My throat's going here again. Fickner was a fucking little weasel in this. Uh, the only thing that stood out to me that I didn't like was Henry Rollins i thought they threw henry rollins in here because he's henry rollins but he just to me did not fit he looked like a douche he he couldn't act for shit you know you're gonna deal with this guy and he just looks like he's trying to stand there and make his neck look big and he and like he was had to shit and he was holding it in everybody else was good the fucking great cast uh ashley judd was fucking super hot uh and she did probably had a great ass and um he had his head all the way up it. Uh, anyway, um, love this movie. Like I said, if you want to <laughs> read what I wrote, as as I, I was commenting as I was watching it, and there was a lot of stuff about the guns and some of the decisions that were made. Amy Brennerman. Uh, Rolf said that he really didn't care for her in this part, but I think that she was kind of like just a, a young, innocent girl. A girl that was working in a fucking bookstore, you know? Uh, probably just kind of a little bit of a schlub and everything, but I think Neil did like her because she was so innocent she wasn't like some hooker or whatever and he saw all the but all of his buddies with their wives and their kid at that dinner and everything and realized that yeah i'm kind of fooling myself maybe i should let myself go and let myself have a little bit of something a little bit of feeling i don't think it was a fuck buddy rolf said like a fuck buddy but i think that he actually wanted he wanted he probably did you know because he had balls in the dick, and he's a guy, and he's probably, you know, straight. Uh, but then again, if he's in prison, he might have liked to fucking wang every once in a while. I don't know. But um, I think that he actually wanted to connect with somebody. He wanted to have somebody that he could love and everything. And that was my my impression, you know, because I think the kind of character that he was, he probably uh, kind of denied himself that because he was a hard case and he was like, you know, you got to leave. Oh, you, you can't have anything that you can't leave in like two seconds. If the heat's around the corner, blah, 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 blah. But, um, if he did get a boner and get an urge or whatever, I'm sure being a criminal that he is, he probably had connections at like strip clubs or something like that, or would get a hooker and fucker or whatever that he wouldn't have to have any emotion with. But I think that, um, uh the amy Br- edi the amy brennerman character it just it just happened in such a way that i think that he actually was like you know okay, we can do this last big score. I'll have this money, and I can actually... This is a nice girl. This isn't a hooker. This isn't somebody that I... I want somebody that I can care about myself, but then I think he regretted it toward the end, of course. You know, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Natalie Portman was pretty good in this. She was just a little girl. She was probably coming off Leon and everything. Still a little girl. Somebody, you know... Uh, Tom Noonan uh, was excellent in this. Um, He... I'm trying to think what I was reading about character the guy in the wheelchair but he was excellent in this and um you had him and wayne grow and also um what's his name um ted levine she looked a great big fat person he was buffalo bill in silence of the lambs tom noonan was the red dragon in manhunter so you had a Silence of the Lambs thing going there and Wayne Grow could have been in fucking (laughs) such a piece of shit, but he was really good Uh, he actually went to prison I can't remember what it was for uh, but he actually went to prison after he played Wayne Grow uh, for like a year or something like that uh, for some, I don't know if it was drugs or what it was. And uh, they said everybody in prison called him Wayne Grow. <laughs> Wayne Grow was such a piece of shit. It was unbelievable, you know, especially when he screwed the hooker and, you know, yeah, he was just a psych a psychopath. Um, anyway, um,. Uh, I don't want to let Rolf down because I know he loves that movie and he was looking forward to hearing me talk about it but like I said I talked about it so much while I was watching it on, on the group. watch uh, watched 2001's Ichi the Killer and I just realized i got to read the fucking questions that you guys ask in a, uh, two hours so I'm going to probably end the thing here with what i am watching with Ichi the Killer. 2001, the original title is Kuroshia 1. Um This is a Takashi Miike movie uh, based on, I believe, a manga manga, um, written by Hideo Yamamoto. And the screenplay was done by Sakichi Sato. Um, Stars Tadanobu Asano, Nao Ahamori uh, Shinya Uh, This is a freaky... uh, It's fucking wild as shit. Um, Most of you have probably seen it. (laughs) Um, It's just crazy. I mean, my God, there's so much... Just fucking horrific violence towards women. But not only that, just horrific violence towards everybody... Uh, you it, it has a lot of s and a lot of uh, masochism, a lot of sadism in it. Uh, you have some really strange and bad people in this movie. And then you have somebody who does some really, really horrific things but there is the 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 storyline behind that is so odd and so strange and um the special effects are just wild um i have never been into now of course i'll preface this by saying everybody's into whatever they're into um i have never been into like the whole piercing thing of uh, and, and and that can go to an extreme you have some people of course women that, or guys they get their ears pierced their nose pierced their lip pierced their tongue pierced some of them get their nipples pierced some of them get their genitalia pierced then you have the people that take it to the extreme where you see them hanging uh by piercings on their backs i've seen some uh porn uh that had that and um uh, Uh, that's not my thing (laughs) I'm just not into that it's something that uh, I don't know Um, this is so violent and so weird and so out there and so outrageous that it is a fucking masterpiece uh, in that way it is fucking crazy as batshit fucking crazy but I like the way it was shot I like how over the top and it's like oh my god they did not just go there uh, I also... Uh, now, some of the... Because I'm weird this way. Watching a woman get her face punched in and then get fucked, uh, raped, is uh, pretty fucking repulsive and hard to watch. Um, but then again, the violence goes both ways, but still, that just really is disturbing to me. And it's kind of like, ugh, God, this is awful. Um... Uh, And then how this one person's reaction, who you expect him a different reaction, but right off the bat, you kind of know that it's not, this isn't going to be the typical hero-villain kind of a thing, and it's not. But Ichi the Killer is crazy. If you haven't seen it, you fucking, I don't know, if you think you can handle it, maybe you could watch it. (laughs) Oh, my God, i got to talk about it a couple more. Uh, Le Dalos... From 1963, these are two. I'm going to do two more uh, because they're good ones. 1963. This uh, was written by Jean-Pierre Melville, uh, written by Pierre Lassau and uh, the adaptation by Jean-Pierre Melville, uh, starring Jean-Paul Belmondo, Serge Reggiani, and Jean Delassis. <laughs> I'd never heard of this and I guess it had been uh, maybe it was out of print and they just digitally remastered it and put it back out it is on iTunes is where I got it beautiful looking fucking movie it's a noir Um, if you see Le Samurai uh, you'll know what I'm talking about as far as the trench coats and the hats Um, Belmondo plays a character that uh, I did not think I liked very much um. Uh, still, don't think probably that I do. Anyway, um, this is kind of um. Uh, I don't. Want, I, I sort of want to say a Rashomon kind of a movie, but it's, uh, it sort of is. Um, it's a noir, like I said, kind of a gangster noir movie, and uh, Melville. I mentioned uh, um, Les Samurai uh, This is a very good fucking movie. And at the start, I thought it was going to be a fairly cut-and-dry movie, so la rouge I put it up there with that, uh, which is a great movie also. Um put that one in The uh, Samurai, and Les uh, Doulous. I don't know how to say it in French. In French, it uh, looks like Les Doulous. But Les Doulous. Doulous. Cas baby uh i'm trying to get in my french um but anyway um very much recommend this if you haven't seen it i never even heard of it um i like belmundo um I've seen him in a few things I like these now he is very young in this uh he reminds me of a of a guy that I know he's very good looking guy very charismatic uh you know get the ladies and everything uh but I thought that he was going to be when I rented it I thought okay belmondo is going to be the the main guy in this and when I started watching it um for the most part for for quite a while there it was another guy um who was it what's it? which one was it it was um well, i never i don't think i knew this actor uh i think uh yes uh serge rizani um but he's very good and i and that, that story but then belmundo comes along he's involved in the whole thing but he his character then gets fleshed out even more and then even more and then even more and the whole story gets fleshed out um Let's see. What we else? There's some other ones here. But like I said, I really recommend this. I wanted to talk about it. I'm not going to go into too much about it. Let's see what it says here. A burglar betraying other criminals prepares... Uh, well, I think that they explained... Um, uh, le um I read somewhere where they were talking about it, and they said... I don't know if that is that is the actual meaning, but that it means like uh, someone who wears two hats. They're a criminal, and they're working as a criminal, but then they're also... Uh, working for the cops or talking to the cops too um, so anyway watch this one and let me know what you think it's really good like I said it's on iTunes maybe like uh, 2 dollars three ninety nine $3.99 to rent it uh, if you can find it I would like to um, I think I did buy this I think I spent I think it was like $9.99 or so I think I actually bought this sight unseen and I don't uh, 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 regret it I lost my train of thought or not my train of thought but my words Uh, Watch The Face of uh, Fu Manchu from 1965 starring Christopher Lee. This was directed by Don Sharp, uh, written by Harry Allen uh, Towers. Uh, The screenplay as Peter Welbeck. I like this movie. I like these old um, uh, Fu Manchu movies. Uh, I can get past the yellow peril kind of a thing. I know a lot of people uh cannot uh and they really find these to be vile and uh racist and everything else again whether it's this or if it's um mr or like you know i'm trying to think of some of the other ones uh, where karloff plays um somebody who's chinese a uh, villain or detective doctor or is it dr wong I can't remember. There's several different ones like that. Uh, Charlie Chan kind of characters and stuff like that. Uh, um, but uh, like these Fu Manchu movies, I really like them. Again, um, are they racist? Probably. Um, the thing that I have to say about that is... is um, Now, from their, the perspective, I think they could do a Fu Manchu movie and not be racist because if they had um, Chinese characters that were... Heroes uh, or that were um, uh, regular people and not all villains. Whereas in this movie, which takes place in, uh, like, say, Great Britain, um, uh, London, or wherever, Scotland, I can't remember where the fuck the different places are in this. um, Pretty much all the Chinese people are evil. Uh, you know, uh, there's Fu Manchu and his minions, and then he has, I think, a daughter who's like a fucking real evil piece of shit, too. Uh, so, you know, again, I can see that, and then not having, uh, Chinese people play Chinese people, um, yeah, I, I understand the racism there and everything. But again, when I just look at it as a story like Fu Manchu being like a Darth Vader and then he has his minions and shit like that, that's fine. Um, I can look past that and and just enjoy the entertainment value of it. Um Again, the Fu Manchu character was actually supposed to be Shang Chi, Master of Kung Fu, and Marvel Comics' father, but then they lost the rights or they didn't renew them, so they didn't have kung fu, or kung fu. They didn't have Fu Manchu anymore. They couldn't use that, so then he was something else, and uh, the Yellow Claw or something like that. They came up with a different name, basically still Fu Manchu character, but they just couldn't use the name. Um, Again Christopher Lee plays Fu Manchu in this, Nigel Green is in this and that's one of the reasons I wanted to watch it cuz Nigel. He's one of uh, the the there's the, the two Niges, Nigel Green and Nigel Davenport and I like both of them. Um so anyway, I wanted to watch this. Um it's a it's it's an action uh, kind of. I, I've seen where they've put Fu Manchu movies in a horror department, and I've seen some Fu Manchu movies where I can understand that, where they do the Chinese water torture on them, or they have the big giant, like uh, swinging pendulum meat cleaver going over top of somebody that's going to just hack them into and shit like that. Um, and Fu Manchu's a pretty evil motherfucker, uh, and he has these guys that uh, they've been trained to strangle people. They have these, uh, these like a uh, uh, silk scarfs or something like that and they have little weights on the end of them and you're standing there with your back to them and they'll swing them around so they go around your neck and then they choke the fucking shit out of you and kill you and um also you know torturing people and he has mind control he could mind control people like hypnotize them and shit like that um i enjoy these again i have a boris karloff one that i also rented that i want to watch and another christopher lee one that i want to watch Um, So I will be talking more Fu Manchu later. This one's a good one. It's got some uh, decent action. I I like the the action of this time where, you know, the the, um, hero is a big, you know... I hate to say it because then I sound racist, but this big Caucasian guy and he's got the 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 big haymaker punches and everything and the and the uh, Fu Manchu's guys are are sneaky little assholes. Kind, of, it's almost like big time wrestling where um, you know they had Mister Fuji, Mister Saito, Mister Moto, uh, Kenji Shibuya. Shibuya. Um, I'm trying to think who else. But again, that's the same thing. That's very racist too. But that was in, in wrestling they. They were uh, after World War II. The heels would be a lot of times would be uh, uh, Nazis or German, you know, kind of heels, or they would be uh, uh, Japanese because they were playing off the fear and hatred of the Axis powers. So you had Mr. Moto or uh, uh, Harold Sakata, who played Odd Job in, um, in um, the James Bond movie, uh, Goldfinger. He was a professional wrestler, but most of the guys that were playing evil, sneaky, sadistic Japanese guys in wrestling were like, uh, Americans and, uh, or they were Hawaiian or they may have been of, uh, Japanese ancestry, but they weren't really Japanese or even Chinese, um, so or korean they had pak song the korean killer uh who later during during the uh, uh, vietnam war they they changed his name well they added to his name pak song nam so they kind of added a little bit of a viet uh kong or a north vietnamese kind of a thing so he could be even more hated again that's just the entertainment thing is it racist yes um But then, when you had New Japan and All Japan, with uh, well, of course, Ricky Dozan was the godfather of Japanese wrestling, but he was actually Korean. And the Japanese are racist as hell to the Koreans, so you had a lot of nationalism there. Same thing with Mexico, uh, whether if you had a Cuban wrestler and a Mexican wrestler, or a, a wrestler from Puerto Rico, you're th- uh, as an American you're thinking, well, they're all Hispanic, but they fucking hated each other because they don't have racism, they have n- uh, uber nationalism. So if you were from Argentina, the fucking Mexicans hated. It. If you were Puerto, Puerto Rico, the Puerto Ricans hated the Mexicans. Hey, who hated the Cubans? Da da da. So that's what you had there. But when they started the Japanese wrestling, you uh, the Americans that would go over there would be the heels for the most part. They would be the ugly, evil, um, big, brutish uh, guy Jean uh uh wrestlers who bombed us and fucking uh, uh burnt uh people and in, in the, you know uh the the fucking uh the air raids and all this shit and dropped an atomic bomb on us and stuff so they would be the even the guys that were were baby faces here that were huge baby faces here when they went to Japan for the most part were heels over there they were the bad guys and the japanese uh over there weren't uh the sneaky sadistic uh throw salt in your eyes uh, uh cheat and all this shit that they played up in America to make them the evil villains. Um, they were athletes. They were like over here. They were just the, they were the heroes and they were technically, um, proficient uh, either amateur wrestlers or, you know, hookers, shooters, whatever you use the wrestling terms, or if they were more of a brawler, they were the tough ass, you know, uh, guys who didn't take any shit and would give the big brutish Americans what for and and overcome them or they would sell for them and then come back and get victory. Um, And the Japanese people loved it. But then you also, then as time went on, you also had Japanese heels in Japan who were actually (coughs) Japanese. And you had good guy Japanese, bad guy Japanese, just like over here. Uh, so again, with the Fu Manchu movies or the uh, you know Doctor Wong, Mister whatever, blah 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 blah, that Karloff played. Um, I can watch them and put that aside, watch them, and and then and then when you're talking about them, you can. That's uh, a good, interesting topic about the the. Um, the racism and stuff at that time. Uh, even, you know, when you talk about African-American people and how they were portrayed. Uh, I was the, o- the only one that says quitting time at Terra. You know, everybody loves fucking Gone with the Wind, but then you look at that and how, you know, there was so much racism in that and everything and how they made, you know, the South just so noble, slave owners and all this shit. So anyway not get off on that too much but let's get going here i had one more i think rocco and his brothers from 1960 uh rocco e i e, uh, suoi fratelli uh this was uh lucio Luc- l- l- lucino viscante and uh written by lucino viscante now what was i watching the other day i think papillon When I was talking about Papillon with Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman, uh, one of the things was they wanted to make that with Alain Delon and uh, Jean-Paul Balmondo as the Steve McQueen and dustin hoppin characters now i don't know who was going to play who um i was uh, i don't know i could see it going either way i could see you know either one of them playing either character but i thought that would be so fucking interesting that's like when you hear about bogart and spencer tracy or uh clark gable or whoever uh playing um uh man who would be king and uh houston wanted them and couldn't get you know and then it was too late or uh who was it uh they were talking about so there was some another one where they were going to pair up two guys, and it was Lee Marvin and somebody else. And they said, nah we're too old, but why don't you cast these guys?" And it, I can't remember what movie it was now, but it, it's one of those things where you look back and think, "Man, what, 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 how cool that would have been!" And maybe with CGI, if it ever gets good enough, and they can uh, get the likeness of uh, of Lee Marvin and whoever, and you know, uh, that might have been Butch Cassie and the Sundance Kid. I can't remember anyway. But anyway there was somebody else besides uh, Redford and new uh, Steve McQueen and Newman maybe or something. But I, there was another movie where it was Lee Marvin and somebody else. And I can't remember who it was. And they wanted them to play the part. And Lee Marvin said, nah, we're, you know, I think we're a little too long on the tooth of that, but why don't you pick these two guys? And it was somebody really cool young guys, but that ended up being, you know, great actors for a generation uh Rocco and his brothers is really good uh Alain Delon uh Renato Salvatore uh Annie Gerardot, Gerardo uh there's no t on the end of that or there is but you know um this is a story about uh Rocco and his brothers now um this uh old lady of course she's uh they, they live in the south and i guess the south is looked down on and they come up to the north and uh where it's uh, uh, uh things are economically better uh and they live uh she has her sons and they live with they they go to live with this family and the family's like are the they have relatives and they're like ah you know we can't have all of you you know so anyway um Rocco and his brothers uh, get like all these uh, you know jobs shoveling snow and shit like that so they can uh, help pay for, you know rent for a little apartment and they're all living there and everything. Um, they all the brothers are different. Rocco is kind of the sensitive guy. He's the peacemaker. He's the sensitive guy. He has uh, the one brother that is a boxer. Uh, Rocco has tried boxing, but he he he's good at it, but he doesn't like it. He doesn't like how it makes him feel, uh, the violence and everything like that. He said, he, and and I can attest to this, honest to God. Now that I'm thinking about it, um, I boxed, and one thing. You know, of course, hitting the bag, hitting the speed bag, hitting the heavy bag, and stuff like that is one thing. And training, uh, but sparring, um, I did I exactly like Rocco, who's played by Elaine Delon in this. Uh, I felt the exact same way. It made me feel bad, and I I don't know how to put this because I kind of liked how I kind of liked it. I, I, uh it's not it's weird if you get in a a fight or a scuffle or something with somebody you are you know you're being violent and 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 usually your temper's up and you are you know um it just happens um and you don't have time to think about it uh sparring and stuff like that with other guys um like when you knock the shit out of somebody and you get a, like, a really good like, fucking hard jab, and you just, you know. Uh, or even that you do well and everything, but you're hurting somebody else. And usually the guys you spar with that I did, a couple of different guys, um, you know, um, I knew them. And I liked them and everything, but then also it brings out a little bit of a ugly kind of a sadistic feeling maybe or a not that you're like getting off on it or anything but it's that um, macho um, male kind of a dominating thing or I, I don't know how to explain it but again like in this movie Rocco's brother who's more of a brutish kind of a guy and more along the lines of instead. he would he would work but he would rather box and i had a friend like that uh you know jesus christ we're all out we have jobs and everything and and he would go and have a fight in houston texas or something like that or or somewhere and make enough money to last him for a while until like the next fight so he maybe a couple fights a year or or you know three or four or you know something like that five or six or whatever in a year but he'd never have a job and then he got, you know, being around that business, you're around a lot of shady, low-life kind of people and criminal element and everything, and it all fell into, like, that with him, sort of like it did with uh, Rocco's brother in this. Um, But again, like I said, I don't know if I was ever any good at it or whatever, but I, I just would leave there and think, man, I, I just don't like this because you would get that... Um, kind of that adrenaline thing plus just like I said kind of either dominating somebody or and and then the in your mind that you're actually hurting somebody and that's the whole thing like even MMA or boxing or football and stuff like that wrestling Uh, I remember having a debate with some people about like MMA and everything, and I can go both ways on that. I can watch it and I can appreciate it for what it is. I can appreciate it for the sport and the skill and everything that it is. But then there's parts of me that when I see somebody, especially when somebody's really getting beat bad, like Duke Kukim and his fight against Ray Boom Boom Mancini, where they were just, it was a great fight. They were just toe to toe, just beating the fucking shit out of each other. But then, you know, there's consequences dooku Kim died he died there in the ring Ray mancini was never really the same after that um, but also seeing in like some MMA fights where like the guys the, the guys are you know have a, a really bad cut and they're bleeding or even boxing or whatever uh, k1 kickboxing and everything um, and even in wrestling now amateur wrestling when I was in school you couldn't do like if you picked a guy up and you were going to slam him down to the mat, you couldn't do that. Your knee had to hit the mat before they did. So, and that they had rules that were in effect to keep people from injuring it, they wanted it to be more skill. Your, your attempt was either to get points or to pin the guy. But, like, picking somebody up and slamming them on the mat, uh, whether you're trying to pin them or not, you're taking a chance of injuring them in high school and stuff they would have. You couldn't do that. You pick them up and your knee would have to hit the mat first before they did, which means that they're not going to hit nowhere near as hard. They didn't want you to slam them. But then you would see, like, a freestyle match in, like, the Olympics. Chris Taylor uh, weighed, like, 400 pounds. And uh, uh, the guy from Germany, Wilfred Dietrich, fucking belly to belly Sue plays him and when you watch it Chris Taylor was so big that it was amazing uh, uh, and the skill that it took and it really didn't hurt him or anything but I've also seen in some freestyle amateur wrestling matches and stuff like that where guys have been slammed pretty hard and the and the things are the rules are a little bit more loose uh, like Alexander Carellin would pick a guy up by the waist and just fucking you know uh drive him to the mat and everything, pin him and everything. And a lot of times the guys wouldn't get hurt 99% uh, probably percent of the time because they knew how to fall and everything. But even in – I never liked like somebody – you know when you just be fucking around wrestling in the wrestling room or in the backyard or something like that, and somebody putting a hold on somebody, or and then they fucking crank it down and wrench it down, and they'd be fucking hurting you, and they'd be like ha ha ha, and they're like yeah hey, that's not funny, and I wouldn't want to do that to somebody else, and and I, it's the same way, it's almost like a sadistic thing that I think we probably all have, especially guys full of testosterone, you know, and you get pissed or whatever, but um, you get somebody in like a fucking double wrist lock or 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 like if you're boxing like i said and you hit like a you know you get somebody reeling or you you really bash them in the nose really good and you see that they're starting to flinch and they're gun shy coming at you because they don't want to get another one um makes you feel confident good and strong and you know but also then if you it kind of makes you feel kind of me kind of weird because you know you're hurting somebody and whatever so that's how like i said like Rocco is in this he's a good boxer but he doesn't even want to do it he doesn't he's done it before and he's like i just don't like it again they said well why because you're you um, um you don't like you know hitting somebody or something he goes no i i it's because i do like i did like the feeling and i don't like feeling that way so anyway, and his brothers, the brute, and everything, and uh, the one brother, and the other one's got you know meets a girl and has a family, and a couple of them have family and everything. And the the, the main story is like uh, they, they 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 meet by chance a girl who lives in uh, or who is in in their uh, shitty apartment building, and by chance she comes in, and they kind of give her a little refuge there. Then it comes out, finds out some stuff about her, but um, like I think the one brother you know she's good looking and everything and and she kind of gives him a look and he gives her a look but then she ends up hooking up with the brother that's the boxer and there's a whole the whole situation with mostly between rocco and the his one brother that boxes and this girl and uh it's a very good movie again um this one isn't as much a gangster movie but um, it does have some you know because like I said with boxing you're gonna have that kind of some of that kind of stuff plus a little bit of gambling or whatever that he gets involved with because he's stupid. Um, but it's it, it's got some nasty shit in it and it's got some undertones of some things that you know like I said back then, now, maybe in European cinema you would have more stuff like this, but also in the U.S., uh, but uh, things that are not as socially acceptable, but they put them in there and you're like, wait a minute, is this what I think it is? They don't come out and show things or say things, but they give you the hint. And and then, if you, of course, if you know what you're talking about or whatever then you're watching it like oh okay they're doing this but they're they're doing it in a subtle way that unless you're looking for it like like uh the the, the uh, in ben-hur um uh, masala and ben-hur or um in um spartacus with tony curtis and um uh Lawrence olivier about the thing about the oysters uh, uh if you're not looking for it it can go right over your head but if you appreciate those kind of subtle things in cinema, you see them and you're like, ah, it's kind of cool. they put it in there, but you might watch it with somebody else. And they're like, it's like when on GTTMC when we talk about like stuff that's homoerotic, and then I go and say something to one of my friends, he goes, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not in, you know, Rocky and fucking Apollo Creed. That wasn't, you know, or, uh, uh you know, whatever, <laughs> but, um, or Johnny Utah and Bodie or, you know what I'm talking about, Iceman and fucking, you know, uh, they won't see it because they don't want to see it or they're blind they have blinders on or they they're naive or whatever so anyway Rocco and his brothers is really good it's a classic so I'm sure a lot of you have seen it probably know all about it um so let's get to some of these questions I watched Free Fire which I really liked um with um that's Ben Wheatley which I did not know Ben Wheatley did it the first time I saw it and then after I how how nasty it is and violent, but still kind of funny. Uh, uh, Sholto, Copley, Brie Larson, Army Hammer, all of them were good. Everybody in this was good. It was just different, and I really like it. This is a rewatchable fucking movie for me, big time. Hopefully there's nothing... Okay, Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, is fucking pretty entertaining as hell. It's not my kind of movie. Somebody recommended it on GGTMC. This is a fucking funny fucking movie, the gore in it is funny, how they do it it's like the thing where you're like, oh my god they just did not just do that U- Udo Kier is in it, also Michael Pere is one of the reasons I want to watch it other than somebody else recommended it, Thomas Lennon um, who played uh, Dinkle, I think in uh, not Super Troopers whatever that fucking fucking thing was called, Barbara Crampton's in it um, but Michael Perret, He, uh, you know, I'll watch it it was good, it was funny uh, terminal with Margo Roby. I can't remember if I talked about this last time. I know a lot of people, people that didn't see this said, well, I heard it sucked," So it's probably a piece of shit. I'm not going to watch it. And then some people that watched it said they didn't like it. I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. I thought she was good in it. Um, I also liked, uh, Simon Pegg in it. Uh, Michael, Mike Myers, eh, you know, he was, he was good in it, but, uh, just because it's Mike Myers, I was kind of like, "Yeah, I wish, I almost wish they kind of maybe would have had somebody else play that part uh, Let's see. Who else is us? Dexter Fletcher. Um, But I I thought it was pretty good. I mean, you know, hell, I've seen worse. And uh, you get to look at Margot Roby and she's kind of hot. Uh, been watching Better Call Saul this season. I'm downloading the newest one right now uh, and enjoying it uh, this season. A Bullet for the General from 1967 with uh, jean Maria Avalante, Klaus Kinski, Martin Beswick. I thought this was really good. I had never seen it before, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, not only do I have to go to the bathroom, but i got to read these questions. So let's, let's uh, try and suffer through this <laughs> so anyway bullet for the general was really good i thought it was i thought it was really good uh, spaghetti western uh investigation of a citizen beyond suspicion from 1970 uh <coughs> this is also jean-marie valente it says a lot about uh, uh fascism and a police state and things like that uh takes a different uh look at that uh jean marie uh Volante is a police inspector and he does some things uh and he's just blatant about it and pretty much wants to get caught but the way that the whole system is set up it just fucking is so fucked up uh Wind from the east le vent d'est uh is another jean marie Valente movie and uh i'll be honest with you i bailed on it um it is, uh, left-wing, uh, pretty much, uh, uh, from what I get out of it, uh, kind of like a, uh, Volante was left-wing and, uh, Marxist sympathizer communist. I have no problem with any of that other than, you know, just the general shit that was bad about, uh, people taking, uh, Marx's, uh, views and perverting him and everything like that. Uh, kind of like Bader Meinhof and things like that. But, uh, this is, uh, along the lines of a, um, um uh, uh Jodorowsky kind of a movie or uh Dennis Hopper last uh picture show kind of a movie avant-garde and uh I I just uh don't dig those kind of movies I started watching it and I and uh it's an in, I'm sure it's an interesting movie and I watched probably about uh, maybe half hour 45 minutes of it and then I kind of bailed because it just wasn't it, uh, avant-garde stuff like that like I said um uh, uh, some of his stuff that I've watched um, I just did not I can't get into it. And it, and it just, um, I, I like hearing people talk about it, uh, uh and, uh, and, uh, them, you know, talking about what they see and how they, but it's like what, looking at a Jackson Pollock or something like that. I'd rather look at a Jackson Pollock and all the noodles on the pay, page or whatever. Uh, da, 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 da. okay. Going to pause this for a second and go take a break and then we'll come back with the questions and we'll go through those. And then I got a bunch of shit to do and it's almost nine thirty. And we've been going for two hours and forty-four minutes. Okay, let's see here. Let's go through some questions from Rolf. What are we doing here? We are spreading the German culture throughout a strange new land, or something I don't know. Cross of Iron. Ah, uh, okay. Is Loaf there and yet? <laughs> He's somewhere. Um, do some Bond talk. Best and worst Bond. Best worst Bond actor. Uh, best worst Bond girl. Uh, Denise Richards is the worst, probably. Uh, best worst Bond song. Madonna's, uh, probably the worst. Tom Jones, Thunderball's the best. Best worst Bond gadget. Ah. you know, just for old time's sake. I kind of like when he had the fucking jet pack and he wore the fucking helmet. Uh, the worst Bond gadget. I, off the top of my head? Hmm. Again, the classics like the ejector seat and shit like that when you were a kid were great. Uh, so I can't say they were bad. Uh, exploding pen. Uh, I can't think of the like bad ones. Um... Yesh, what would it be uh i'll have to think about that uh do you even like bond i love bond uh cast the next bond michael fassbender um i think michael fassbender would be good because i think he could be a nasty motherfucker and uh i liked him in that movie with uh gina carano where he was a prick in that, but kind of a like a undercover gangster is loaf there near no. he's probably working uh let's see do some bond talk like I said uh if uh, uh listen to uh, paleo cinema uh get on their web on uh Taddea, get on his web page and look for uh the Spectre uh episode I just listened to it and it's tons of bond talk uh best Worsh bond uh sean connery was the best bond and the worst bond oh man worst bond Mm-hmm-hmm. well if you look at the movies of course you go to the you know the casino royale movie the original one which was all played for laughs with like david niven. i like david niven in that and um Woody Allen and uh, you know but anyway uh, I didn't hate any of them I would say probably Roger Moore wait a minute Roger Moore you have to you have to Coogan you have to get real deep and I can't do it Roger Moore Anyway, Roger Moore was probably the worst because the the movie sucked. And um, you went from Sean Connery and and Lazenby, who are both kind of physical guys that look like they could probably whip some ass. Roger Moore didn't look like he could whip anybody's ass. And he even admitted that if a fight started, he'd probably crawl under a table. But that's not, you know, because I liked him playing in other things. Um, But i would say roger moore is probably the worst and the movies those were the worst movies i hated like fucking moonraker and when they got like real just kind of like tongue-in-cheeky kind of shit um i did like uh for your eyes only um and uh yeah is that for your eyes only the girl with the, had the real the Greek girl with the real long hair and the crossbow. I like that one, but he was getting up there in age in that in that one, too. Um, goddamn, what's her name? Um, I liked, um, wait a minute, let me look. You had some, some Bond girls that were in the Bond movies, but they weren't like the main girls. Now, um, Plenty O'Toole, uh, Lana Wood was so fucking hot that, I mean, just, that's the first thing I thought of was her, was her tits. Uh, but like I said, she wasn't like a uh, I don't remember. I don't think she was like a main bond girl. She was just in the, uh, wasn't she just, I haven't seen diamonds or forever in a long time. And it's not one of my favorite bond movies. It's an interesting bond movie. Uh, but she's pretty fucking hot. Um, worst one, of course, Denise Richards. I thought she was horrible. Um, best. I already did the song Tom Jones Thunderball. He always runs when others walk. Uh and that to die another day, goddamn song Madonna. Fuck her. Uh, and I don't hate Madonna. I thought I liked her big bouncy boobs and Like a Prayer when she first came out. But then she got fucking like annoying. Um, do you even like Bond? You already said that. To cash the next Bond. Um, let's see who else what else do we have here they always said Clive Owen as Bond but I like Clive Owen I don't see him really pulling off an action well he was in that one where he played fucking uh, Bugs Bunny uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh the Bond talk, uh my favorite Bond would probably be from Russia with Love because I like uh uh him against Robert Shaw and Rosa Klab, the fucking lesbian uh schlub who had the knife in the end of her boot. But then again, you know, all the Blofelds and all the different ones. I just love all everything Bond. Uh what T V show? This is also from Ralph. What T V show? Do you want to have a movie version of Cast Suggestions? Jesus Christ. Well, hmm. TV show. Mission Impossible's out. Star Trek's out. Uh, Rat Patrol. I liked the Rat Patrol when I was a kid. Uh, Cast Suggestions. Michael Fassbender. Tom Hardy. Uh, Let me think. Who else would be in that? Who's a good... uh, uh, just anybody that I like that's really good. <laughs> Rolf says he the fall guy would be for him. Uh, Ryan Gosling is Howie. Uh, D. Craig. Daniel Craig is Colt Seavers. Well, I'm not the kind to kiss and tell, but I've been seen with Farah. I've never been with anything less than a nine. They're so fine. Um... Uh, and some hot porn star is Jody. Goddamn, Heather Thomas was hot back then. And she wore the tightest fucking pants in that Cyclone motorcycle movie. And then she ended up fucking her legs up, getting all fucked up real bad in a motorcycle wreck, I believe. Uh, of course, you need it needs to be R-rated. Yes, definitely. Uh, there was a bathtub in front of Colt's Mansion for a reason. Yeah, he did have that hot tub. And he'd get in there with his cowboy hat and a cigar. Like Lee Majors. Lee Majors, again, was another one. I, I watched... Uh, uh, one of my favorite series of all time was the Western Big Valley with him and Barbara Stanwyck and Linda Evans, Richard Long and Peter Breck. I uh, had a lot of guest stars on there like uh, Charles Bronson, different ones that played in Westerns back then. Then, of course, Six Million Dollar Man was my favorite show of that generation. And then I liked Fall Guy. one wasn't my favorite, but I liked Fall Guy. I liked it. I watched it all the time. Um, let's see. And I think that... Um, it always bothered me that Colt had and Howie had Heather Thomas there all the time and she'd come in wearing a bikini and shit like that. Uh, I think they they need to, they need needed to be fucking her. Probably both at the same time. A little double penetration. Um, Stohan. Let's see. He gave a thumbs up to Rolf's Fall Guy, I believe. Uh... Who would Stohan cast as Jody? Yeah, yeah. Emma Stone's not. She doesn't. She doesn't have that fucking. Heather Thomas. You you have to be stunningly like have a stunningly, good-looking chick with a great fucking body. I'm trying to think who would I pick, to play her. Who's out now that's young and hot. Scarlet, maybe. Yeah, maybe she could take some DP. Uh, <laughs> uh, stay on topic. What is the hottest porn? hottest porn star right now? I found this chick the other day, and I was just looking her up. And what the fuck was her name? She was hot, but she was also fucking wild as shit. Let me look her up here. I shouldn't be too hard to find. Uh, now let's see i'm not even going to tell you what i had to put in to find to try and find her but oil anal Uh, (laughs) i just remember i think she had a lot of baby oil on her tegan presley maybe is that her She's just wild as shit. She, let me see if she's good looking though, because I hate to tell you, she's really hot. And then she—I mean, she's a porn star. She's nasty. She likes—you know—she's one of the ones that looks at you like she wants to, you know, kill you. Yeah, she's pretty hot. She—you know—I don't know. Eh. But see, there was another one. That's not the one I was thinking of. This one's just like you know. Uh, fuck. Who the hell knows, Rolf? Jesus Christ! Why are you asking me these questions? Who? <laughs> um, there was. I'm trying to think of another one that I've. See, I like. I like. There's some of them that are really good looking, but I like the ones that are kind of that are good looking, but they're a little bit nasty and um and that um show a lot of spirit. I mean, they may be faking it like crazy, but as far as I'm concerned, I uh, if they're good enough, I believe it. And they're probably still fucking faking it, but I don't give a shit. Uh, God, I can't get on here and find anybody just off the top of my head. That one there I just came to came to mind. Uh, let's see. Well, I've got to get back to the questions. Uh, why am I the only person asking questions? Rolf says, well, I just put them up at that time. It'd only been Well, it says four days now, but talk it was only just a little bit. What person would you like uh, to be stuck in an elevator with? Had to be somebody interesting. If it was a girl, a woman actress, uh, I'm assuming someone today. Uh, Scarlet's usually funny. Who's the other one that's kind of funny? Olivia Wilde's pretty funny. Like I said, I'm thinking about like ones that I've seen on late night talk shows, and they're they're kind of funny, and you know, but hot still. Uh, like the bang, Olivia Wilde. She didn't have any. Very big boobs. She doesn't have any boobs, but she just turns me on. She got nice eyes. Um and if it was a if it was a guy, somebody let's see, who would be who would be kinda cool that could actually you know who I fucking watched the other day? You remember Robert Vaughn, who was in the Magnificent Seven, the, the gunfighter that kinda uh had lost his nerve? I watched him on a uh, William F Buckley firing line from back like during the Vietnam era. That motherfucker was a genius. He was smart as hell. I mean, he's getting on there talking about politics and Buckley's trying to tie him down and and I mean he was twisting Buckley in a knot. I mean, and, you know, he's he's pretty smart. Um Chris Christofferson, maybe. He's a very interesting smart guy. Again, Fastbender, Ryan Gosling wouldn't have anything to say, but he's pretty funny, I think probably uh he'd just stand there and, and and grin at the funny things that i would say uh dee dee. vigo or vigo or uh, uh willem defoe too yeah i like i said those are probably my two favorite ones there uh if you are you fed up with the questions yet well i shit i just shit so i'm I'm okay now Um uh, ever tried vi- i guess that's virtual reality porn no if not would you probably not my virtual reality porn is closing my eyes thinking about somebody and beating my meat so i can go to sleep um let's see i have virtual reality i have a good enough imagination that i have virtual reality in my head um last one yeah right uh as you'd like to work your way through filmographies i'd be interested in in you doing the Coens? That's not a question. That's a statement, my friend. Yes, that would be interesting. Maybe I could get that loaf on here, and we could do some Coen movies all the way back to uh, that one. Uh, <laughs> I thought I can't remember the name of. Um, God damn it! With the chick and the you know the killer. Uh, Blood simple. I didn't even bring it up, but I just—it was on the tip of my tongue. And uh, you know, I liked most of their movies. I have not seen—I'm trying to think what ones I haven't seen. There's a couple of them I didn't like that much, and some of you guys like them too. The one uh, about the dude, uh, the serious man—I didn't really like that one that much at all. Um, I mean, it was okay, but it just—I I didn't really like it. Um, Blood Simple—I liked. Raising Arizona, of course, loved that. It was funny as hell. Uh yeah we we using code names uh, Miller's Crossing, love, that's one of my favorite movies, Barton Fink, loved it have not seen Hudsucker Proxy, Fargo I loved, Big Lebowski loved Oh Brother Where Art Thou was good uh, Of Constant Sorrow uh man, who wasn't there? That was Billy Bob, the barber. I think that was an interesting one. I haven't. I've only seen it like maybe once. So I need to go back and rewatch that. Tolerable cruelty. I really liked. Uh, some people did not like that one. That was. Wasn't that Clooney and the divorce papers, the uh, Massey uh, prenub, Lady Killers. I hated. No Country for Old Men. I loved. What's this? Paris, Paris, je t'aime. Oh, that's just a segment they did, uh, and a movie uh, with uh, like, what's her name, Natalie Portman. There. Uh, what else we got here? Lady Killers hated. Da-da-da. True Grit. I thought it was interesting just because it was a different perspective, but uh, I, it was all right. I like John Wayne one better. Uh, wait a minute. That's the executive producer. Where's the director? Director. Okay, here we go. No Country for Old Men. Loved. Burn after reading did not love, just kind of average. A serious man did not love. True good. I were talking about inside. lewin Davis loved. Hail Caesar. Me, eh, it was kind of back there with the Massey uh, prenub movie. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I don't think that one's came out yet, has it or it has not come out yet. An anthology western following six different storylines centering on a man named Buster Scruggs. That stars James Franco, so he'll probably fuck it up. Liam Neeson in a western. Me. I did not like that one with him and uh, Pierce Brosnan. David Crummolds. Who else is in this son of a bitch? Brendan Gleeson. That's interesting. Tom Waits. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson, uh, Tyne Daly. She's a looker. <laughs> anyway, okay. So that's the uh, the Coens. Rolf asked, that's his last question? Yeah, whatever. Okay, Jesus Christ, I thought there was more questions than this. I was getting all psyched up. Okay, no, maybe. Wait a minute. Okay, v, VN porn. Rolf, have you done virtual re- reality porn? Um... If I was doing virtual reality porn, I wouldn't want a real um, chick blowing me while I was watching it. So I guess it would kind of negate it being virtual reality porn. Maybe not. You can still have fun. You know, just be- See, I mean, that's just, the- but there's no different than that, than me screwing one of my girlfriends while thinking about somebody else, you know, like their mother or somebody else. <laughs> that's sort of virtual reality. That was the 1990s uh, uh, virtual reality. <laughs> And 80s, 90s, 2000s. You know, sometimes you can think about other people. And still, they enjoy it. They don't know. Uh, What? Let's see. Which non-superhero movie are you most looking forward to? Well, I just saw that one. uh, Was it The Green something with Vigo? Vigo... And I don't know if I'm looking forward to it or not because it looks like it might be trying to, have, like him doing a little bit of fun, funny stuff, maybe. Um, what's that movie called Of Constant Sorrow. But it has Cottonmouth from Luke Cage in it, and him and Vigo are green, green, or green book. Um,. And I like Captain Fantastic, and Emily hated it, and uh, other people hated it or didn't like it at all. Working-class Italian-American bouncer becomes the driver of an African-American classical pianist on tour of venues through the 1960s American South. Now, this is based on a true story, I think, but uh, I don't know what to think about it. Like somebody else said, Vigo is usually gold and can do anything, and uh, so uh, I'm just hoping it's good. Uh, I'm interested in seeing that. I'm interested in seeing... The Tarantino movie that revolves around the Hollywood uh, around the time of the Sharon Tate murders. That's another one that I'm really interested in seeing. I'm trying to think off the top of my head some other ones. I wanted to go see Black Clans, but I almost went to see it yesterday. But, of course, I got, like I said, with all the, uh, you know, just being tired, not being able to sleep. Of course, that goddamn vet still did not call me today. And I'm sitting here, and I said to call... Uh, and I just realized it's almost, you know, it's getting close to 10 o'clock, and I still, they still haven't called me, and I'm sitting here waiting. So, you know, my dog might have cancer, both of them, one of them might, you know, be sick, the other one might, you know, so that pisses me off, you know. It's like, Jesus Christ, oh, well, she's in surgery. Get, goddamn it, fucking call. That's what I want to say. Just tell her to tell the fucking nurse, you just juiced me out of uh, 300 fucking dollars for tests that I didn't even want to get, or wasn't even planning on, and then... You're going to fucking make me fucking wait. I don't give a fuck if I'm here. She can, They can put a nurse on or a veterinary assistant on. Pretend it's her. I wouldn't know the difference and tell me what's, what's going on. And then I can make a decision. Um, what do you think of Lonesome Dove uh, miniseries? This is from Steve. Uh, the um, question about the superhero movie that you're most looking forward to is from Tim. Um, Steve... Uh, Lonesome Dove miniseries. I loved the original Lonesome Dove miniseries with Robert Duvall, Tommy Lee Jones, Ricky Schroeder, uh, Danny Glover. Uh, Robert Yurick was excellent in that. One of the one of the scenes that gets me every time is um, the fate of Jake Spoon and uh, Robert Duvall's reaction um, after it happens. Plus the scene of uh, gus sitting by the uh creek or the little stream that was uh gus he said it was him and claire's spot and um, you know it was nice because because gus was such a kind of a funny smart ass or whatever but then you know uh there were scenes where there was you know a lot of emotion uh, and Duval really brought it. I really like that. Um, I love that. I have uh, my grandma. Somebody got my grandma like a uh, VHS, like kind of box set collection of three or four of the of the uh, movies um, miniseries because they carried on. Um, you had the one with uh, John Voight played Gus, I think, in the second one, and then James Garner, and then you had the. Uh, Oh, my God, there was another one. Well, the one with uh, where they went back in time, and you had, um, oh, um, the guy that Courtney, what's her name? David Arquette played Gus. And what was the other guy that was? Steve Zahn, I think, played the, uh, the uh, Tommy Lee Jones part where they went. None of those really... Lit my fire at all. I kind of like the idea of uh, James Garner playing Woodrow F. Call, but I didn't think it was that great. I, I honestly, I I don't remember that much about any of those. Uh, and I remember vividly, you know, the one with uh, Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Robert Duvall, and I've seen it, you know, a few times, quite a few, or not quite a few times, but I'd say probably three or four times because i mean it's a miniseries um the other ones i just remember them not being as good and not and definitely not as memorable as you can tell by me i can tell you who was the ma- who played the main character or whatever like i said john Voigt, uh james garner um zahn and uh david arquette or you know but eh, i don't know first one was the, one of the best westerns I've ever seen, whether it was a mini-series or a regular movie, and then the rest of them were kind of just kind of meh. So anyway, I think those are all the questions. Let me go back here, because I did have some um, I had the thing about the complaints. <laughs> For some reason, I wanted to. I just, I just posted the thing. I was like, let's complain. Complain. What's everybody want to complain about? And uh, let me see if I can find it real quick and see if there was any other int- I read most of them. Oh, there's a Complain. Uh, twenty-five responses. Jesus Christ, motherfucker! Two-hour runtime for even the simplest stories? Yeah, I've been watching some movies lately, and um, you know, if I'm at home or whatever, yeah, I'm definitely pausing and going and taking a pee break and getting something to eat or whatever. And uh, if they're not that great, you know, even kind of fucking around on the goddamn iPad while it's while I'm watching it. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Some of them need to fucking learn to. F- fucking throw some shit on the cutting room floor. Then if you want to release it uh longer after the fact. Which I hate that too because it's like goddamn put up and I know that some of the creators of these movies they want it to be their vision. Uh but um if and and it's kinda sucks if you're an artist and somebody takes your movie and tears it apart and it's a piece of shit when when it's done or it's not co uh uh, cohesive or whatever and you want to go back and put it out the way you wanted it. Uh, as long as it's good, it's good. But I just hate when they do the deal where it's every goddamn two fucking months they're putting out a different version with a different box or some bullshit like that. It's just all just gouging people. One of my friends that loves Star Wars, coworker, um, he is a Star Wars completist and wants to get everything that they put out. Well, then, you know, even he says, he I like, just feel like they're just juicing me now. Um I didn't understand this Matthew uh put out one that says Boom 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 So I don't know what that means. And and Rolf even said is this still happening? So obviously Rolf knows what he's talking about. And I responded only during Peter North's money shots. Which Peter North, I don't even know. Is he still alive? Peter North? I'm sure he is. He always looked like a Ken doll. He didn't even look like... He might even be like a a, a nice guy and everything. He's a handsome guy, and he was well-built and everything, but he just looked like a a, uh, a Ken doll, like a fake uh, mannequin. Peter North. Who's constant. 1975. Cash and Company. That might not be the same Peter North. Hmm. Let's see who this motherfucker is. Cash and Company. That's not Peter North that I know. (laughs) But anyway, I thought he would... And then I was surprised. I guess I was naive, but I was surprised when uh, somebody told me that he did, like, uh, Gay for Pay, like in movies, and maybe not even just in movies. Um, But, you know, because you saw him just with women all the time, but I guess if you're... He didn't give a shit. And, you know, some of them... Like the Louis Theroux kind of documentaries and things like that some of the guys if they say if they're if they're doing gay for pay that they have different ways of justifying it like well uh i'm i'm just acting i'm not really gay if i'm the pitcher and not the catcher or uh, i'm just doing it for money or you know whatever or i'm gay as hell <laughs> and i love it anyway <laughs> forced nostalgia yeah Always feels like uh, every other horror movie nowadays. Uh, Force neon lights and synthwave down your throat. Yeah, I can see some of that stuff where they. I I, I uh, Sammy was talking about one time about uh, and I don't know if this is along the same lines, but uh, like pre-manufactured cult films or whatever. Um, but then you go with like a Grindhouse uh, or you know Death Proof and uh, um, what was the other one? Death Proof and. I'm not even gonna look it up because I don't give a fuck. The zombie one, Bruce Willis was in it. I like that one. I like that. Uh, the main, one, the the one thing I liked about okay, uh, Rose McGowan was pretty hot in that. But um, uh, going they have Fergie Ferg at the fucking beginning, you know, and man, her fucking songs suck and everything. But yeah, I'd fucking hit that. But anyway, um, um, uh, she get the crack pipe out of her mouth, uh, or meth. I think she was doing meth. Uh, I liked um, Michael Bean and um. Uh, Jeff uh, Fahey, their interaction I thought was pretty fucking funny. Um, What was that movie called? God damn it. (laughs) Death Proof of Planet Terror. God damn it. I kept wanting to say zombie something. Zombie Land or zombie something. Uh, Nostalgia and Synths got very, very boring very quick. Uh, Will, the guy from Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bling bringing, I always say blinging, bringing class to trash since 1977, said slowed down 80 songs in modern movie trailers. Another thing when now thinking about Will saying that and, and he's right is um also when they take a song that is um uh, like a nice song or a a an old pop song like Sugar. Ah, oh, honey, honey, you were my candy girl, and you got me wanting you. And they play that like while somebody's punching a girl's face in as they're raping her, or Hannibal Lecter's eating somebody's brain, and they're playing the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald or something. <laughs> get you goomy, get you goomy, my ass. <laughs> oh, let's see. says john lewis is a big chain of stores over here they've been using them i guess the uh slowed down uh 80 songs uh in their christmas adverts and uh sounds like maybe like a it's muzak or whatever when you get on an elevator or something complete lack of lee marvin see i just did not get this <laughs> that's a complaint the complete lack of lee marvin and my response and it still is isn't he dead so i mean you know you can have as much lee marvin as you want as long as you know you, you you just you want to watch the movies that he made before he died, uh, low mumbling dialogue. Yes, Rooster Cogburn. Uh, but you know, uh, I think Jeff um, Jeff Bridges. There's something wrong there. Some people were speculating online whether he had had a stroke or if he doesn't have any teeth. You know, like he he takes like he doesn't have he has dentures. You know, or I, I always wonder if he like has like a mouthful of marbles. Um, Jeff Bridges. I wanted to see something about his teeth. <laughs> but that was dispelled because they showed his teeth. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have dentures. He was so good back when he first started in, uh like in um, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot and uh Bad Company and what was that other one? Uh, the one Rancho Deluxe. Uh well, that son of a bitch. He's sixty-eight years old. So, I mean, you know, he's getting up there in age. Goddamn, Kirk Douglas is a hundred and one years old, people. And goddamn, John McCain's mother is a hundred and six, and he died, and she's still alive. Now, you know, when they say that you should never have to bury one of your kids, Well, when you're a hundred and six, and your and uh, your your fucking uh, son is like eighty-three or eighty-four, goddamn, man. Well, especially if you're still got your wits about you. Every year there is a horror movie that gets hyped as the scariest movie in like Hereditary. I still haven't watched it and it's been hyped so much that it could probably never be as good as I thought it would be or something. I don't know. Uh, anyway, I'm checking my messages here. Christopher Lawford died. Peter Lawford's son. And that's about it. Um, I'm going to shut it down. You got You got three hours and 15 minutes out of me again when I had nothing to talk about. So this is Dr. Zom uh, saying uh, uh, give a shout out to Loaf on the group. Let him know that he needs to get his ass back on here and do a Cohen Brothers episode with Dr. Zom. And so this is Dr. Zom. Thanks for the questions, and hopefully, this was entertaining. I'm trying to uh, keep yourself alive. Keep yourself alive, all you people. Keep yourself alive. Anyway, <laughs> Goddamn, give me a drink. <laughs>